All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am your host, James Payne, and I am here with Northern Hunter co-founders, Mariah Humphreys. Wow, this is <laughs> this is different. I actually remembered. Yeah, you did. All right, and co-founder and assistant to the regional manager, <laughs> Dalton Gray. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be assistant to the regional assistant CEO? regional manager, right? <laughs> to the regional manager. No, it's the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. <clears throat> well, All I right. am the producer, not the assistant producer. So. <laughs> There's only one producer. I don't want anything to do with that job. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, welcome in. We are uh, very excited to bring you another episode all about bear baiting. So if you've been keeping up with the show, we've been talking about kind of the mentality to have when you're walking into your bait, how to set yourself up mentally before you get there, uh, how to figure out where you're going to go, both terrain features to look for and mapping it out, looking at it, e-scouting, things like that. If you haven't heard those episodes, definitely backtrack a little bit and check those out after this show. It'll be a huge help to you. Yep. We're going to continue the conversation today talking about kind of a zoomed in view, what you do once you're actually there yeah. and setting everything up. We'll try to get to, uh, you know, sense to use and bring a bears in and how to hunt. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're going to hit it all, but yeah. we will eventually. There's so much <laughs> to cover when it comes Just, to bear baiting. <laughs> there really is. It's, yeah. It doesn't help that we're all royally obsessed with it too. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. Today I was, I started thinking about it at some point right after lunch. Mm -hmm. And so after lunch. You know, I've already taken time off and I can take a longer lunch. You know, my boss doesn't mind whatever I need to do. And so I start thinking about it. So I walk outside and I call my dad and I'm asking him questions, what his plan are. And I'm calling another mm. buddy I'm going to be hunting with. And like, just like, <laughs> and he's at, and, and trying to give him advice on gear and stuff. And, I, and I'm like, you know what, dude, I can talk about this forever, but you know, it's, it's not that complicated. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm nipping at the heels man that's i was out driving around last night checking trails and checking different spots and everything mm -hmm. and i mean the snow's still super deep it's, oh yeah I mean, it's, it's, the, it's still too early it's still april when we're recording this i mean i think this is coming out mid early mid-may something like that early so may, hopefully yeah. the snow's all gone by then something like that as long as it doesn't do what it did to us last year but no i think we're pretty much on the <clears throat> on the downhill now yeah, with the snow melt yeah it's all 40s and 50s for the next couple of weeks so yeah i'm excited for that i've been stuck inside all day I think it'll be oh, gone. Really? I think yeah. the snow will be gone by this weekend. I'm really hoping. At this rate, I think it's yeah. going to be gone. Otherwise, I'm going to be snowshoeing, man. I just, yeah. <laughs> actually, if you can't even do that. Yeah, anymore, I, the snow is going to be so out, garbage but. by that point. <laughs> All right. 
Well, we're all very excited, but before we get into the bear baiting topic, we have two emails that we're going to touch on real quick, questions from our listeners. Yep. Um, I'll go ahead and read off the first one here. Cody writes into the show asking about a bear defense pistol. He says, uh, I started looking for a good pistol for bear defense. As of now, I'm looking at either a semi-auto 10 mil or a 44 Magnum revolver and was wondering if you guys have any thoughts. I know that semi-auto pistols have a great ammo capacity, but also can be subject to malfunctions, whereas revolvers are more reliable, but have a highly limited ammo capacity. Which one would be a better pistol format for a bear gun? And do you have any model suggestions? Mm. Personally, I'm going to say either one is a great option for bear baiting and bear defense in general. Um, If you read a lot of the old timer statements and you listen to a lot of people, they'll typically tell you that 44 Magnum is like the minimum you want to go through for bear defense. But the reality of the situation is that even a 44 Magnum is not a awesome bear gun as far as getting mixed up in my words here. You wouldn't really go hunt a bear with a 44 Magnum. You could if you were in a controlled environment and you were close enough. But but it it wouldn't be my first go-to. That's a very good, you know, 10 yards or less kind of situation or kind yeah. of gun. Yeah. Um, the benefit that you'll run into with having the higher capacity semi-automatic is that, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, where the reality is killing a angry bear with a handgun is not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be. No. They don't go down no. super quick. They're, it's mostly the noise that's going to dissuade them. And when you have a 10 mil that has multiple rounds and is typically a lot lighter than a 44, um, you're going to end up having a lot more bang, literally, mm-hmm. and have a lot more sound that's going to kind of disorient that bear. And the 10 millimeter cartridge itself, the, the bullets that it's pushing out at, the speeds that it's pushing them out at, as long as you have a well-constructed bullet, you're going to get pl- penny, yeah, plenty of penetration. So honestly, I don't think you're going to go wrong with either one. I personally carry a 44 Magnum as of right now. Um, I have the Smith and Wesson 629 Classic, so it's at a five-inch barrel and a six-round uh, cylinder, and I love it. It's a little bit of a boat anchor, but it's not too bad. I'm very accurate with it. It shoots those. Uh, I think I'm shooting 220 grainers out of it right now. I'm planning on doing some reloads for it uh, this coming year. That'll be a little bit faster and a little bit heavier probably if i can crank those out but the problem with the smith and wessons is that you don't really want to go into those plus p pressures right so if you are looking at getting a smith and wesson uh the 629s i will highly recommend them um they're comfortable they shoot great but you're not going to want to push out those like 430 grain bullets um it's just I've heard horror stories of the bridge that goes across the top of the cylinder yeah Yeah. those smiths will not handle that right Mm -hmm. yeah just completely exploding so you want to make sure you're keeping an eye on that but my opinion is whichever one you're most comfortable shooting and this is something i tell people with bear defense pistols in general is it's more important to get multiple accurate rounds downrange than it is to shoot a big heavy bullet that you can't control if you can't be accurate with it and you can't rely on it you know i mean there's guys that have killed bears in defense with nine mils Mm -hmm. as long as they're accurate right again not my recommendation, but the more important thing is to be able to control the firearm you're shooting, to be able to be comfortable enough with the firearm you're shooting, to go practice with it and get accurate with it. And if that's a 10 mil, that's great. Um, if that's a 44, 
awesome. But yeah, I don't know. You've got some experience with the 10 mils, Dalton. Uh, yeah. So why don't you touch on the, uh, he, he mentioned that they have the reliability uh, issues or prone to malfunctions, mm. which is, is a big reason I stayed away from them for a long time and went with the revolver. Yeah. All right, folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. I used one on a recent blacktail deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope on my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. So traditionally, I've carried a Smith 629-6 model, mm -hmm. stainless 4-inch barrel, 44 mag, 6-round cylinder, like you said, very similar gun to what you've got. Um, I have not run those plus P rounds by mm -hmm. any means. I think I've run the 200 and 225 grain extreme penetrators, I think they mm -hmm. are. Maybe yeah. 250s, but probably 225s. I think they're 220s, actually, if I remember right. I don't remember. Yeah, um, I'll look it up. <clears throat> but the, the reason that I carried that for a while, uh, as far as that bullet choice, mm -hmm. was that it was less recoil than like a 400 grain hard cast is. Mm -hmm. And the ballistics, with the added velocity and with that bullet design, you're still getting a lot of, uh, well, a lot more of a wound channel mm -hmm. than you do with a hard cast with equal to uh, um, penetration results right. to a hard cast, heavier bullet with increased recoil. So being able to come out of your shot faster and get another round down range was the reason why I went with those bullets. I think if I was going to still shoot a 44 Magnum for bear defense, uh, well, okay. If I was still going to carry a 44 Magnum in bear country, mm -hmm. that's probably what I would still carry. Um, now, I'll make a quick, uh, a quick caveat here before I go on to the 10 mil subject. When I'm in bear country, whether that be baiting or guiding or just, you know, spot and stalk out in the hills, whatever it is, um, number one priority is to always keep your rifle mm -hmm. close. Yes. There is no substitute for a fast rifle. None. Yep. I, I, nobody argues with that. Yep. Nobody with real world experience with bears argues with that. Mm -hmm. If you have the ability to keep your rifle within arm's reach or in your mm -hmm. hands all the time, there is no handgun that will do better than Absolutely. that in the situation. And I've heard guys blow smoke about, well, you know, if I'm at a bait, it's only a 20 yard clearing and I'd rather have my pistol in my hands because it's faster to aim it hogwash yeah. <laughs> let, let me know how that turns out for right. you most people the 99.9 percent .9 of people are better off with a rifle in their hands than they are with a handgun yeah so and you can snap shoot pretty pretty darn quick you don't have to look through the scope to yeah. shoot a bear in the face at five feet <laughs> right it doesn't matter yeah so with the 10 millimeter discussion 
I bought a 10 mil last fall. I bought the Springfield XDM 10 millimeter, uh, four and a half inch barrel. I think it's the elite model, I believe. Mm-hmm. I have a Gunfighters Inc. chest holster for it, a little Kydex deal. Uh, that handgun carries 15 plus one in the mag, uh, 15 in the mag, one in the chamber, uh, which is how I carry it, one mm-hmm. one in the tube. And uh, you mentioned weight difference. Um, they're about the same. With 15 rounds mm-hmm. of ammo okay. plus yeah. one in the chamber of a, of, of a full frame 10 millimeter, the weight difference, if anything, the 10 mil is going to be a touch heavier. Really? Than the oh, revolver? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. That little four-inch barrel smith is not that heavy, especially if somebody out there has like a scandium frame Smith & Wesson, mm-hmm. the super lightweight handgun. And I've shot one of those, and they, you know, they snap pretty bad, but they're, those are even then lighter mm-hmm. than the 10 mils by quite a bit. Um, now, if you're carrying something like one of the subcompact Glock designs, I don't remember which model number it is that that uh, that the Glocks have those tiny little. I think it's like a three inch barrel. It's a shorter grip, like mm. the forty three or something. No, the forty three is a nine mil. Okay, um, I don't, it, I don't know. It's Glock in the forties. The small ones are in the forties, though. Right? Yeah, I, I don't remember what it's called. Anyway, it, <clears throat> um, as far as a ten millimeter goes, it's not. To me, it's not about weight penalty. It's not about the number of rounds that it carries either. So I carry a semi-auto all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I carry uh, an auto-loader pistol as my everyday carry. And um, to me, I, I shoot my personal carry gun far more than I've ever shot any 44 I've ever owned. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And the problem that people run into and the reason why guys are switching to 10 millimeter is not because it's a superior ballistic cartridge right. when compared to a 44. Now, I'll get to that in a second. The reason that guys are switching to 10 mils is the familiarity of the platform. Mm. Guys are more familiar mm-hmm. shooting autoloaders. They're a lot cheaper to shoot in practice. They're not as painful to shoot in practice. And train how you fight, fight how you train, right? Mm. And if you shoot your 10 millimeter um, far more than you ever do a 44 Magnum. Mm. That's reason enough to me to never even touch your 44 Magnum when you go out. Right. So, and, and that kind of falls back to the whole thing with the gun you carry should be the one you're comfortable right, with. Right. Right. Now, if you're an ultra experienced revolver guy and you shoot a revolver right. all the time, as much as you would an auto loader, then yeah, sure. Carry right. the 44. Right. Yeah. But test yourself. Time yourself. Have someone go to the range with you. Have your wife or your buddy go to the range with you and time yourself Mm. and draw that revolver and get three shots off. Put a paper plate out at 15 yards, 10 yards, and five yards and see how fast you can get around Mm. into each paper plate at 15, 10, and five. Yep. Draw from time that you go for Mm -hmm. your gun to the time that the last shot goes off. Mm. Time that. And then check your accuracy. Yeah. The vast majority of hunters do not practice with a big revolver right. like they will with a 10 millimeter. They just won't. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're the exception to this rule and you do practice a lot with a 44 Magnum, then it might work fine for you. Yeah. To me, the reason why I went with a 10 millimeter was not ammo capacity. It wasn't any of that. It was that I could get that first shot off far faster mm-hmm. and far more accurately 
with a 10 millimeter than I ever could with a 44 Magnum. Yeah. And I did those cross comparisons. As soon as I bought that 10 mil, I went to the range with it and I started shooting both. And I tested back and forth, back and forth, draw time. And I had a chest rig, um, um, a Diamond D leather chest holster that I've carried that 44 Magnum in for right. quite a mm -hmm. while now. That's a great holster, but it's got a little hammer loop retainer on it. And in the heat of the moment, to undo that hammer loop, um, now, sometimes if you're going into a bear bait or something, you might um, take that hammer loop off, which I would anyway. But, <sighs> in, but in the event of a complete surprise, right. when mm -hmm. you're not prepared for it and that gun has a little leather loop around the back of the hammer, you could really be in trouble if you can't clear leather fast enough. I take the loop off of my revolver, but I carry on my thigh. Or yeah. not actually on my yeah. thigh. It's yeah. on my waist, but it's, it's just a lower yeah, sitting yeah. Uh, yeah. holster. The difference there is that revolver is never going to fall out. Yeah. I can climb up into my tree stand with right. the hammer with that loop off and it's never going to fall out. To me, out. With, with a chest rig. Yeah. To me, I'm yeah. always in long rain gear or hip boots and things right. like that. I'm wading in and out of the water all the time, guiding. A chest rig is the only way to go mm -hmm. for me. I don't if, think I would I, take that loop off with a chest rig. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I don't until I'm approaching a bear bait or something right, like that yeah. when i'm guiding that hammer loop was always on there mm -hmm. and i've oftentimes thought man and and mm -hmm. at that at the um at the range while i was doing those tests i just realized you know what my time of first shot and my accuracy mm -hmm. difference mm -hmm. is enough to make me switch just because of that um so the first shot is the one that's going to count the most you don't have to hit the bear in the forehead you don't have to hit the bear in the middle of the spine that's where i'm aiming what, I, at a charging bear, if you hold on the forehead, you're not going to, you're usually not going to hit it in the forehead <laughs> yeah. because he's coming at you. Right. He's going to close that distance and he's going to be moving in the time that you decide to pull that trigger and the time that the bullet gets there. And he's going to move farther than you think in that very short amount of time. Mm. You're probably going to hit him up in the neck or even up into the top of the back, which is fine. Yeah. All you need to do is induce some pain. Yep. All I'm trying to do is turn that bear. Yeah. I'm not trying to sack him. Right. Yep. I'm not trying to knock him out and, you know, and, and then keep pouring it on. Now, once shot one goes off, yeah, you better believe it. I'm going to shoot as many times as I have that bear in my sights. Mm -hmm. But the first shot is the one that counts the most. Because if that encounter happens at 15 feet yeah. and you only get one shot, mm -hmm you might not have time for two or three shots. Right. I don't carry a 10 millimeter now because I have 16 rounds to play with. I carry a 10 millimeter because shot number one is much faster and much more accurate with that mm -hmm. handgun than it is with a 44 for me. Yeah. As far as reliability issues, that was my reason for years to not carry an autoloader. And I think the pistols that we're seeing today, the Glocks that guys can trick out with a new barrel, I heard that the that the new generation of Glocks has a more reinforced um, internal compared to the other ones. I, I know that um, that you had to get an upgraded barrel to shoot the the heavier bear loads before oh, in, in right. like in like the mm -hmm. Glock twenties. Gotcha. Yeah. Guys were having to buy lone wolf barrels and all, all these kind of aftermarket upgrades. The XD from Springfield comes ready to shoot whatever you need to shoot through it. That's part of the reason why I went with that gun. Other mm -hmm. reason was it just fit my hand really, really well, and I shoot it very well. Um, with a two-hand um, support shot, it, the sights barely even come off target. It's mm -hmm. very easy to control. Uh, so for me, 
that was an obvious choice there. I'm not as much concerned about reliability because I clean it pretty often. Right. I'm not talking about strip it down, deep clean it, and lube everything. I'm talking about if I'm on an extended hunt, I'm disassembling it probably every night to make sure I don't have any dirt or dust or grime in anywhere that I don't want it. Mm -hmm. um, spruce needles, tundra chunks, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, because that ends up on your on your handgun no matter what you do. Right. So if you can take the you know the two minutes that it takes to just rip it apart in your tent at night or wherever you're at, and just you know take the take the cuff of your sweatshirt and wipe it off, right? Yeah. Just do a little bit of basic TLC, then it's going to be no problem mm -hmm. if you buy a reliable pistol like that. And they're not that expensive. That Springfield is about 600 bucks. That is a big difference. A good 44 Magnum, a stainless 44 Magnum is north of $1,000 I think I nowadays. paid 1100 for mine. Yeah. Yeah. So a good 10 millimeter, you know, like a Glock is what, 550, 575 nowadays. Mm. So the Springfield is 650. Um, they make a Springfield um, uh, more of like a subcompact model with like a three and a half inch barrel now. Right. Some guys really like that one. I know Tyler Friel has shot that one a bunch. He really likes that mm -hmm. gun too. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and SIG came out with their, their 320 10 millimeter. Um, FN came out with a 10 millimeter now. Right. So there, there is an increasing number of higher end semi-auto pistols now chambered in 10 millimeter yeah so it's hard to it's hard to not find one that fits you and that you'll be able to shoot right. real well mm -hmm. and the, and again the biggest thing is you're going to practice so much more with a 10 millimeter than you ever will with a 44 magnum i would say that would depend on the person because i'm definitely in that minority that yeah. does practice a ton with my 44 um but it, that's because for, it was drilled right, into my yeah. head early for the on. general public yeah it was drilled into my head to. early on that if no matter how powerful your handgun is, if you don't practice with it, it doesn't matter. And I was going to add one more thing before we move on from this or, or, or get Mariah's in, um, input on that. Um, I was, uh, was going to say as far as the penetration and the wound channel that they create compared between the two. So I read an article just recently, like just this last week about that. The 44 Magnum with a 230 grain bullet creates the same wound cavity as a 10 millimeter does with an extreme penetrator. And I can't remember the weight grain of it. Mm. I, you can find the article online somewhere. I think it's an outdoor life. And I, I'm Tyler Friel might've written it actually. Um, but compared side by side, a conventional 44 Magnum load was equal to what the 10 mil was with, t with, um, with an extreme penetrator. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if that was a 115 or a 120 mm. or something like that. So, and that everybody loves to talk about energy with the 44 Magnum and you have so much more weight and so much more energy, but with the right bullet design, you can get plenty of what you need with that 10 millimeter. It's, mm. it, and, and like now, now was that extreme penetrator to extreme penetrator or was that a different bullet style? I don't remember. Okay. It, it, it might've yeah. just been a jacketed hollow point 230, which mm -hmm. is like the run of the mill. Right. Um, yeah. But you, you should know, not carry a bullet. Weight. <laughs> no. so it might no. work, but yeah. So, uh, my, so I've always, what I've always told people, just based on traditional things that I've been told is if they ask me about a bear gun, and most people have taken my advice on this, and they've never had to use it, but um, is always, I, I, the 44 mag was always the big thing. And you talk about how the old guys always said 44 mag is mm -hmm. kind of a minimum. And yeah, um, uh, a lot of people, especially around here, know the name Joe Nava. And yeah. his, his bear defense was shotgun or 357. 
right. you know, a shotgun yeah. with a slug is an amazing bear defense. <laughs> but if you're carrying a handgun, and he he liked the 357 because because a, a female can handle a 357 mm-hmm. really well. Most of them can't handle a 44 mag very well. And he loved revolvers because they're simplicity. Yep. And yep. they're easy to shoot. A lot of times a, three, a, a revolver is easier to shoot the first time you pick it up. Then, it, you know, it takes a lot less time to learn how to line the sights up just because the balance on it versus a lot of the autoloaders. It, it, I, I mean, it depends on the person, yeah. depends on the autoloader. I agree. Somebody I disagree. Auto, um, yeah. You know, uh, I have a 320 SIG. Yeah. Nine mil that I like. I haven't shot it a ton yet, but I guarantee but I tell you some I've shot a lot of revolvers that aim a lot easier than that one does. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I have a nineteen eleven too though. And the nineteen eleven is the easiest gun I've ever shot. Yeah. But uh, what I was gonna say is, you know, I've always told people that, but I've never carried a revolver because I haven't bought one. Um, not not in a, a bear defense type caliber, but I've always carried a forty five ACP. In a 1911, I've got seven or eight rounds, or if I load up my 10-round mag, I've got 10 rounds, which is usually what I'll carry for the bear defense. And this year, I'm going to be carrying it in a chest holster, get it off my hip, and see how I like that. I'm going to yeah. run it in a Rasco harness underneath my bino, or whatever mm-hmm. I carry for my bino, or, or chest rig, or whatever. Um, I think it's a great option. You can get a good... Nice thing about auto loaders, it's easy to get a good full cover Kydex holster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah, really helps you keep the junk out of it. Right. And, yeah. I will agree with you on the the ease of aim. I feel the same way with revolvers. Um, Especially, they, they just kind of hang. Like right. I think that added weight mm-hmm. being pushed farther out. I think the to difference, me it it just kind of. I mean, yeah. I'm able to just kind of hang it where I want it, right. and, and just and it just stays right there. There's a really big difference in the ergonomics of the grip too. There between, is between there a is. revolver it, and um and a semi-automatic. There's a very big difference in mm-hmm. how the grips are designed. And the thing is, the sights are usually a lot different style. Well, there's also a huge difference in the ergonomics just between different kinds of revolvers. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I yeah. can't stand the yeah. Ruger revolvers to be honest with you. The Red Hawks, the Black yeah. Hawks, okay. I can't yeah. shoot them. Yeah. But the Smith, for some Same. reason, it just it sits in my hand well. It soaks up the recoil mm-hmm. well in my wrist that classic cowboy um revolver grip yeah that just kind of <laughs> jays down yeah. right i right. You really don't like, don't like that no so i had one other thing i was going to say and, and with the ruger revolvers you can get a, you can get a grip that'll go over that and mm-hmm. fix that yeah oh, you yeah. had a, you had a black hawk for a while i i did yeah and um, I, I had a hoe grip on that i'll say if you do get a revolver that. get a double action Oh, oh yeah, yeah. for special yeah. for bear oh, yeah. defense, yep. do not run the single action. No, no, no. no, no. Um, and the other thing I had to say, this is a, a a big pet peeve of mine with revolvers. And four inches one thing, but a lot of guys buy like the Ruger Alaskan two inch barrel. Mm, snub noses, <laughs> snub nose yeah. revolver. The advantage to a revolver and power, you lose it all when you don't have a long enough barrel. Personally, mm. three fifty seven or forty four mag, minimum of six inch barrel in my. My mm, my opinion, because uh, you, you, too you lose a lot of velocity. Four. Four is fine. I would four think. is plenty. That, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Four is okay. Yeah. Two inches pointless. Yeah, that's that's a belly gun. That's that's well, something and, you carry and, for and people. Think about, I mean, have you guys both shot two-inch pistols before? I have. Two-inch barrel yeah. revolvers? Yeah. They kick like a mule, dude. Well, they kick. <laughs> they're way too loud for what you're getting. Yeah. And... Have you ever been able to hit anything more than twice out of one cylinder of ammo? Right. Nope. They are stupid hard well, to shoot at. And the reason I bring that up is because, and it's all a marketing thing, I realize, but you've got the Ruger Alaskan 44 mag. Which weighs way more than it should for what it is. And it, it's, that, that and thing and it's still a little weighs, tiny too. And you can get the yeah. plus P rounds for it, yeah. oh, which yeah. do give you no advantage. 
Well, and well, on because the, of your barrel length, you really don't have a big advantage. On the flip side of that, I don't remember which brand it is off the top of my head. It might be Ruger, but they make the ultralight 44 mag too. It's, it's probably it's Ruger. the titanium, I think, is what it's made the, of. That's the Scandium frame Smith. Scandium, that's the one I was talking about earlier. Okay. Yeah, that thing yeah. is. I've shot that one. Weightless. Say and in a 44 mag, it's ridiculous. Right. You can't. Have you shot one yet? No, I like my wrists. I shot Say, one. I, <laughs> I shot one three times really? last year. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, a fella I was on a hunt with had one, mm. and uh, he had a red dot on it. And oh, really? Funny story about that. It was, I, I'm not going to name the brand a red dot because I, I don't want to sound like I'm <laughs> talk, fly off <laughs> talking crap about it. No, it didn't fly off, but it would shut off after the first shot. <laughs> You'd fire the first round on the red dot, it would just shut off. <laughs> yep. And then about 10 minutes later, it would come back on. That's another advantage of an autoloader is those kinds of sights. It, the, the recoil was so vicious mm -hmm. on that right. gun. It, it, now it, and when you it, fall it back to being able to get that second round on target oh, yeah. quickly, there that, is that, no... I was just going to say yeah. that exact thing. It, it wasn't so bad as far as pain to shoot, but I was trying to like... <laughs> pay attention to the yeah. recoil and how far up it came there is a serious amount of recoil to come out of on yeah. that right, right serious amount so i was uh, honestly i pretty much agree with everything you guys had to say on, on, on all that uh i'm looking at getting a 10 mil too uh mostly for just increased velocity over 45 acp mm -hmm. you know if i'm up in close with the bear a 40 is going to be a lot better than nothing oh yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. It, and it and it's a great and Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, there are plenty of guys up here, and I, I know you mentioned that there are some guys that have contacted you, and I, I've got some friends that have asked me many, many times, hey, is this, is this gun okay to carry in bear country? There's one guy I'm thinking of in particular, mm -hmm. um, and he's bear baited before, and all he's got is a, is a Glock 17, which is a 9 millimeter, mm. and it's a full-size Glock handgun. And uh, I, he has, I, I believe he has an aftermarket barrel in it. He might not... Um, but at any rate, I've just told him, I said, you know, just buy extreme penetrators, mm -hmm. shoot it a lot and you'll be right. fine. You know, yeah. don't, don't worry about it. You know, and he doesn't, he doesn't get out often enough to yeah. justify buying a 10 mil or a 44 Magnum for that matter. Right. And he's extremely proficient with what he's got. Yeah. That's better than throwing rocks yeah, they, and it's better than switching guns <laughs> and not being familiar they with They did it. a study one time across everything from nine mil to... 44 mag and everything in between and in almost all the cases no matter what you were shooting if you're accurate and you actually hit your target you'll survive in most cases yeah i think there was only a couple of cases where the people had shot the bear and one of them was actually with a 44 and it still got on top of them and wow. mauled them a little bit they survived yeah, yeah. but right. um because they were able to get a couple more rounds in it but better than punching for, it in the face but that it just it mm -hmm. falls back to use what you're accurate with right whether it's a 357 a 45 a 44 a 10 mil i would probably draw the line for not enough at whatever is next below a nine millimeter pistol <laughs> well i mean you've got the 5.380 no i would not <laughs> shoot a 57 uh, no. now i'm gonna caveat it though wouldn't shoot a 57 wouldn't shoot a 380 you should absolutely oh, yeah. shoot the biggest thing you're comfortable shooting yes there is no reason if you're comfortable with a 10 mil there's yeah. no reason to drop down to a 40 right, right? if you're comfortable with a 44 right. right and you like the platform there's no reason to drop down from that to a 357 yeah. right the 357 the, has quite a bit of increased velocity it's a tinier bullet though the thing is it's it's if you can shoot bigger, mm -hmm. you should shoot bigger, but don't shoot so much bigger that you can't be accurate with it. Yeah. Now, so, so I'll say the number one reason I, the, my 
number one recommendation for somebody who hasn't shot a pistol a lot mm-hmm. is a three fifty seven if they're looking for a bear defense. And I tell them they need to shoot sure. but because yeah. that's if you're gonna go buy a gun and shoot it for the first time, that's sure. the easiest probably the easiest gun to shoot is a three fifty seven revolver. Well, and you can even shoot three thirty eight special through it. Exactly, because you can yeah. <laughs> thirty eight special. Yeah. Well, because you can go practice with it. <laughs> Man, that would that would be a round, right. wouldn't it? <laughs> and, and, and it'll be cheaper and and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and I don't think that conflicts. Honestly, it's just if you're no, experienced yeah. and you have the time and you have the the ability to shoot bigger, you should shoot yeah. the biggest thing you're capable of yeah. shooting right. while being accurate. Yeah. Now, I will finish up this with saying. The the reason I stayed with uh, revolvers for so long was kind of the whole reliability thing. Right. There's a lot of silt out there. There's a lot of mud. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pine needles and things like that. Like you said, there's just some maintenance you got to do to keep up on that. Yes. But modern day semi-automatics are not as bad as they used to be. No. The tolerances are way tighter. They're a lot more sealed off than they used to be. The grit and grime isn't going to get into those areas as bad. And I'm just going to say, if you want to see the kind of damage that these things can take, uh, go watch Demolition Ranch on on YouTube because that guy puts or Grand them, Thumb or Grand yeah. Thumb. That guy yeah. puts these guns through yeah, some yeah. turmoil. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had one tied to his four wheeler and rolling it around, <laughs> like just dragging it through the mud, took right. it through the stream, brought it back to the range, and it functioned just fine. So yeah. Honestly, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you feel safe with and accurate with in the woods is what I would recommend there. Yeah, now, I agree. We had one more question. Mo, you want to go ahead and read that Sure. One? Let's we'll hit this one real fast. Um, so we had a question, and we got this one a little while back, but we're finally getting around to some of these things. Um, <laughs> it, he says, uh, this is from Chase, and he says, 30-06 bullet type and weight for bear defense. He says, hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast and it's been awesome. All your talk on bullet type and rounds has been extremely informational and, and educating. It got me thinking about the rounds I carry for my 30-06, my go-to all-around gun. I go to Kodiak quite a bit and hunt the interior and luckily haven't had any DLP type situations yet. I can't seem to find a lot of info on what would be best for bullet weight and type in the event I had to stop a close range charging bear. I plan to carry the first one to two rounds in the best stuff stopping cartridge and then adding in my deer sheep and goat rounds when not rushed and setting up I was looking at a 168 and a 180 barns ctsx factory but also 180 nozzler partition acubons partition or acubons and even 220 remington core lock just wondering which would be best thanks a ton so hmm for bear defense i'm just going to lead into that by saying stay away from the core lock um 220 is a good grange and a good weight. You right. should be looking at those higher hundreds to, you know, low 200s for your grain weight if you're looking for a bear stopper. Mm-hmm. But you really, I like the core locks for what they are. They're a good cup and core bullet if you're just going after deer or something like that. Right. They're they're going to hold together better than some cup and core bullets will. But if I'm bringing around specifically for a dangerous bear encounter, that's not going to be right. it. Um, the nozzler does make, I don't, I don't know if they have it in factory ammunition, but they do make a 220 grain partition. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good one. It's not bonded, but it has that, that bridge in there that kind of secures the rear of the bullet or the rear of the core into the bullet. So you retain a lot of weight there. Um, I want to say they do make that in factory ammo, but I'll have to verify that. They They don't. They don't. Is it the 200 that they make? No. No? Really? 180. 
Oh, 180 for, for factory. factory loads. I thought I could have swore they had a dangerous game load. So there. Federal loads a 200 grain, or at least they have, because I have some that I bought years ago. Federal premium ammo, which is nickel brass, loads a 200 grain trophy bonded bear claw. Okay. Yeah. Which is a great, great yeah. dangerous game bullet. Uh, again, you're not going to get very great velocity out of it. I think it's about 2,500 feet mm-hmm. per second. You don't necessarily yeah. need speed. Um, I, I would say for this situation, um, you know, talking about going to Kodiak and then using, um, uh, kind of being able to shoot either or, I think it goes without saying that if you're hand loading, mm. which it sounds like he has the ability to do, um, I, I would say definitely double check your zero going between oh, yeah. different bullets. Right. Now, if you have the ability to shoot two different bullet types mm-hmm. out of your gun without having to change your zero, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You can carry a couple of 200 grainers um, in the rifle and then- uh, Hammers, you know, of course. Well, I, I was well, going yeah. to get into that, so hang on a second here. Um, if you can have your bare defense loads while you're going through the brush and things like that, and then when you get out in the open- and you're on your target species that you need to shoot a little bit flatter with, mm-hmm. you can switch to those other loads. That's fine. Um, he mentioned the 168 and the 180 grain Barnes TTSXs. Those are good bullets. I would think for most purposes, the 168 will probably work. The 180 is a bit better. Uh, Hammer does make a variety of different mm-hmm. bullets. I, I know we're, we're partnered up with Hammer. They've got some good choices. The thing you've got to be careful with is your stability and your twist mm-hmm. rate. Right. If you've got like a Tika rifle, mm-hmm. that's a one in 11 twist, unless you've got a new production model, um, which it doesn't, you know, he didn't specify what gun he's got. If you've got a one in twist, then you can shoot quite the variety of different bullets. Mm-hmm. However, with monometal bullets like the hammers are all copper. Yeah. They're a bit longer than a lead core bullet is to get that weight in there. Mm-hmm. And you, um, a 165 grain monometal bullet is going to be as long as, or even longer than a 180 grain lead core bullet will Correct, be. Yeah. So you might, you will not be able to shoot like a 220 grain monometal right. out mm-hmm. of your 30 out six with a one in 10 twist barrel. It just so won't happen. Hammer. Sometimes even a 200 will be too long. Now, one thing, and if you listen to the show for any amount of time, you've definitely heard us talk about Frank Glasser. And yeah, this guy was a madman back in the day. I mean, he came up in the early 1900s and killed a absolute mountain of grizzlies and honestly everything, but a lot of grizzlies. Um, mm-hmm. And in his book, uh, Alaska's Wolfman, they he, there's a part where he says, "I would never recommend going after a grizzly with anything less than a 30 out six and a 220 grain bullet." Yeah, but that was back in 1930. Yeah, 1940 when maybe. Bullets were soft. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. With today's technology and bullet manufacturing and how tough bullets are getting, especially if you're looking at the uh, the monometals like uh, hammers are. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, I'm not going to say a lot of grace, but there's a little bit of grace there. You don't need to go quite or quite up to the 220 range. Right. Um, I totally hammer agree. makes a 199 grain shock hammer. Yes. Um, and that's probably if you have the ability to hand load. The thing with hand loading a bear round like that, if you're looking for DLP and he's not trying to hunt with it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say worry as much about the stability for long range shooting. If you're 
even without being, right. unless you're like super unstable, if you're several inch twists off of where you're supposed to be, then you'll be mm-hmm. in a terrible situation. But if he's looking for rounds specifically for a DLP situation, that's not going to be at 100 yards. No. That's not going to be at 200 yards. That's going to be very up close, snap shooting. Um, and a three MOA gun at 50 yards or less is still going to hit the boiler room. And I'm not but, saying I recommend that. But we're but, also talking about being able to shoot a heavy bullet in the brush and then be able to put your other cartridges in once you get up on the mountain. That's true. So yeah. I, I was just looking through Hammer's website yeah. as well. The 181 grain shock hammer, uh, it recommends a one in 11 and a half minimum twist rate. So you'd be more than safe with a one in 10 twist. But that 181 shock hammer has a G1 ballistic coefficient of 0.429. It's mm. not bad. The 180 grain Barnes TTSX is a 0.484. So it's just under that by a little bit. Um, if you can get that 180 grain bullet up around 2750, if you handle it, you might be able to squeak it up to about 2800 mm-hmm. feet a second, mm-hmm. which is not hard to do in a knot six with the right powder. That's your one bullet to do everything in a knot right. six, 181 yeah. grain shock hammer. You get great fast expansion. Mm-hmm. You've got anywhere from 60 to 70% weight retention. You've got a lot higher, of, higher than that with the shock hammers. It's uh, 80 to 90% with the shock hammers. I think they're at 80%. I think they are. Yeah. The, ha- the hammer hunters are the 60%. Uh, yeah. 67. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, all right. So I stand corrected if, if that's a fact. But anyway, um, for me, because you have that little bit bigger hollow point mm-hmm. with a shock hammer, you get a little bit faster expansion with yeah. a shock hammer. That's what I'm shooting out of my 338, whether it be RPM. Yep. And uh, that 181 grains is going to allow you to shoot plenty far enough with your OT6 out right. to 400 yards pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also have enough weight to deal with a bear in at close range. And a 30 yeah. OT6 will do a fine job at stopping a bear in most situations. Oh, sure. It's, it's a great duel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's it's boring and it's nothing <laughs> special. It's been killing games since it was introduced sure. in 1906. Right. And Man, the, almost 120 years now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and, anyway, if if I were in uh, Cody, was that was yes. what his name was? Um, if I was in Cody's shoes, I would mm-hmm. probably start reloading for the 181 shot right. hammer. You know, yeah. get, get get a box of, uh, of of those bullets from Hammer, load up a batch, test your mm-hmm. velocities, and uh, as long as you can get them up around, uh, well, I I would say as long as you can get around um, 2,700 or or more safely, yeah, which shouldn't be any problem at all. And if you have any questions, you can call the guys at Hammer and ask them mm-hmm. or reach out and contact them via email on their website. Uh, those guys are real great to talk with. They've been very informative on our reloading uh, so far with those bullets as well. Yeah. Uh, they're real helpful. So if it were yep. me, I would probably go that direction, somewhere yeah. that you don't have to shoot two different rounds out of the same gun. Even if they do shoot the same point of impact, I would just rather, you know, simple is better, mm-hmm. have one that does both. I, th- I want to clarify what I was saying because I feel like I, I may have okay. misspoken a little bit. Um, what I meant by not worrying as much about your accuracy is if I was in the situation of using two different bullets for, the, for that mm-hmm. intended purpose, yeah. what I would do is zero myself for my hunting round. Yeah. If, if he's not going to go the route you said and use one bullet for everything. Yeah. Um, if I was to have, let's say, a, a 165 for my hunting round, but I wanted to carry a 220 for my my um, bear defense. What I would do is zero, obviously for the 165, 
But what I was getting at is now between a 165 and a 220, you're going to see a little bit more than this. But typically, you're not going to see a crazy amount of dis of displacement in your uh, your impact mm. or, or where you're, you're impacting on the target yeah. between two different similar cartridges, right? Yeah. And especially up close is kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. Is if you're zeroed at 100 for, let's say, the 165s, and you're going out and verifying where you're going to be at at, let's say, 25 yards, if it's a strictly a DLP right, round, right. chances are you're probably going to be within mm-hmm. four inches of that original zero. Yeah. Because you're so much closer, because there's not yeah. as much room for error there. That's, it's not like you're yeah. shooting the same 100-yard target. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't want people to think you can just throw accuracy right. to the wind right. and, and, not, and not focus on it. That wasn't yeah. what I was intending to say. What I yeah. was saying is that the difference between having a, a 20 yard gun and a hundred yard gun. I, I see what you're you saying. You can shoot that heavier bullet and it's still probably going to be pretty close because it hasn't had that extra 80 yards to drop yet. But so, obviously verify that. Verify, yes. verify. Zero with verify. your zero with your hunting round <laughs> and then shoot your heavy yes. at a hundred. See where it lands just out of curiosity mm-hmm. and then bring that target into 20 yards and see yep. what it does. I mean, bring it into 50 and yeah. bring it into 20 and just make sure that you're on. You yeah, know, as exactly. long as you're within a few inches of point of impact at those distances that you will be shooting, because if a bear's charging you, um, needs to be real close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. DLPs need to be actual defensive life and property. Right. And a bear at a hundred yards charging is not defensive life and property. Yet. Right. It has to be a, an imminent threat. Mm-hmm. So, so I just had one more thing I was going to say. Um, I you know running two rounds of a defense cartridge and then switching to your hunting ammo. It's a totally fine thing to do, especially if in your hot six, you're wanting to run a real light bullet. Mm-hmm. If you're running real light ammo, like a, you know, if you're running 140s or 150s for high velocity or, or whatever you want to do. 150s or the bottom end. Right, um, yeah. You know, if, if you're hand loading, obviously, then you can do whatever you want to do. But yeah. what I was going to say was they actually have a 199. And one th- this is honestly my favorite thing about Hammer's website is all their bullets have a recommended minimum twist rate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which makes it very easy just to, to quick quickly go through and figure out is that one a one in ten and a half um yeah it's one in ten and a half with a 199 shock hammer that's what we were talking about earlier so yeah yeah, if right and if you want to right because they have the 181 that's that's a one in 11 and a half so if you're wanting to load a lighter round for high velocity maybe Mm -hmm. you know you you find that sweet spot for your rifle and get like the max uh range uh, max lethal range and then you're just wanting some Heavy rounds, and you can and, do these. And, you know, to be totally honest, uh, Hammer does have a bunch of options in the thirty caliber. Oh, a ton. They have a they, ton. They yeah. have um, they have a hundred and sixty six grain shock hammer. That might not be a bad way to go either. They have a one sixty five grain power hammer. Um, man, that those there's twenty nine options for thirty caliber. Thirty caliber. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even that one sixty five or the one sixty six shock hammer. Right. I like the shock hammers because I'm not trying to stretch out for anything past 450 mm-hmm. for the most part. And the and the shock hammers and the power hammers have more than enough ballistic coefficient to do oh, that. Yeah. So now uh, you, you get the bigger hollow point. You're going to get a little bit faster expansion. Right. Mm-hmm. That bullet, uh, if you wanted to go a little bit lower velocity, even then, if I were in this guy's shoes... I would probably just stick to one bullet. I'd, I agree. I'd like keeping things simple. I fully agree. And I don't think that you're going to go wrong even with like a 165 class bullet either. Mm-hmm. I would recommend the 181, but you're not going to be in yeah. a yeah. bad way if you go with a little bit lighter round either. Even the 181 Hammer Hunter 
Yeah. That, that's the one I was recommending yeah. as the right. one to do it all. Yeah. I thought you were oh, really? the shock camera. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay, you yeah, say, sorry. If, you're, if you're looking for a little better BCs, the 181 Hammer <laughs> yeah. Hunter has a G7 of 0.272. Yeah. No, and, and I That's fully agree with the uh, with the notion of keeping one bullet to do it all. That's the yeah. way I like to roll. Yeah. I don't like switching ammo. Um, and, it's just kind of a, a pet peeve of you know, mine. Just but. one more thing to keep in mind is the lighter you go, the faster you go. And there is something to be said for that velocity mm-hmm. factor, especially um, with hammers. There is something, and and I've I've watched a lot of different bears get shot, whether it's black bears, brown bears, whatever it is, and there is a very different reaction when there is a higher velocity involved mm-hmm. with whatever uh, a, a, um, a fellow is shooting. Mm-hmm. The faster a round is going, the faster I've seen the bears die. Yeah. And uh, even shooting like a 375 over the last few years, I'm not generally shooting 300 grain bullets at, at, yeah. 20, at, at, at 2550, right? Yeah. Typical... 375 H&H velocities, right? Mm-hmm. I'm shooting a 270 grain buffalo bore load previously at uh, 2750. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to jack that speed up a little right. bit. And uh, there's just something different about hitting them with a little bit more speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if you decide to go with that 166 grain shock hammer or the 165 power hammer, um, or even the 181 shock hammer. If you can crank that velocity with the 181 up to about 2750 or so, and then with the 165 class bullets up even oh, closer yeah. to 2900 feet a second, yep. I don't think you're going to go wrong with that. Well, and know? again, they're such a tough bullet yeah. that you know once that once that nose comes off, mm-hmm. yeah, that alone is going to impart a ton of of energy. Once those pedals expand right. and but, come off, yeah. I mean, the more speed you can put behind that bullet. You know, with it, with it being as hard as it is, yeah, and it, you're just pushing that shank right through it with that flat yeah. nose that's left yeah. after the top shears yep. off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's a dead you bear. Can't if you can't go wrong. In the right spot. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a dead bear. Yeah. Anyway, well, good question, Cody. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we were able to help and uh, didn't didn't bore anybody to death. When I mean, you think about it, bears and uh, bullets kind of go together like grilled cheese and tomato soup. So, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of which, we're going to get back into the main topic here. So. Bear baiting. When are you going to get up close with them? So yeah, we've uh, we've done a pretty good job. I think uh, last episode we did, which was now two episodes ago from this recording, we covered a lot about how to get into your spot and a little bit about how to set it up. Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction. Now I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second, which allows for long range shots, but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. 
To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. Um, the important things like setting up your, your stand tree to your bait tree, making mm-hmm. sure that you've got the sun not shining directly on you, making right. sure that the scent trail or the scent wind is not aiming directly at the ba- barrel from your tree stand. Mm-hmm. Um, all very important things. And we went into a little bit about uh, barrel configuration. And I think that's where we, t- we kicked off. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how much detail. I can't remember right now how much detail we went into We the went barrel, into quite a bit. But the, the thing, the important thing with that and all the differences, I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to touch on one thing. You're going to see at least a dozen different ways to set up your barrel at your bait. Yeah. And sometimes if you even use a barrel. Right. Um, right. Like I said, a lot of these lower 48 states that don't, or that do allow bear baiting, don't allow you to actually use a barrel. You have to use natural cribbing. Um, one thing I forgot to mention in that one was that uh, baling wire or what's sometimes called up here, trapper's wire, comes in super clutch idea. out of never, bear bait. Never used it. I started using it after my first uh, backstop got torn down. <laughs> <laughs> I started tying the logs I showed together. You some pictures of what some of my backstops yeah. look like. When you've got nine grizzly bears, what was your backstop is now where they lay on top of logs. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like your little chiropractic. Kind of give up after the three times of moving one foot logs in diameter around. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So using any kind of wire to kind of tie things together like that when you're when you're setting these things up for bears. Bears are destructive as all get out. They right. are. Right. You know they are absolutely just going to rip everything to shreds when yeah. they when they especially if you're splashing it with grease right um, when you're spreading your smell good if you get it on that backstop mm-hmm. that's you know just designed to get the bears to walk around it they'll go right through it so yeah. don't be surprised if that happens use actual logs if you can if yeah. you have access to them yeah and uh And I I think now would be a good time to mention that there are some rules about how big of a tree you can cut down. There are. There are. Out there. So I I know that we mentioned and Mariah specifically mentioned in a previous episode about how he's used big logs at some backstops before, Mm -hmm. some sizable trees. Those are winter blowdown trees that that will go in there. And as we're going through the area, there is inevitably going Mm -hmm. to be... uh, a tree or two or three anyway mm-hmm. within 50 yards of a bait site that we can just go over. It fell down the winter time from snow load or whatever right. it is, or it just died. Mm-hmm. And you can use that nice big tree and buck it up uh, with a chainsaw or something like that and uh, use that as the building block for your yeah. backstop. Yep. And, so and just to clarify that we're not out there just cutting down live big right. trees. And, and, and that's a huge thing, I think, is, is just yeah. finding the deadfalls, finding mm-hmm. yeah. finding something you can harvest. Don't be afraid to walk around. If anything, yeah. bring a spray bottle you know, yeah. and, and start spraying around while you're looking for your, your backstrop. Just don't I, go too far. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you were saying too, Mo, last time about using two trees. Um, that's, right. that's it works really, really well. That's yeah. what I've been doing, and that's really important, especially when you are using that that wire to hold it together. Because that gives you two points, it's really hard for the bears to rip it down. Mm-hmm. As long as they're black bears, grizzlies are going to do whatever they one, want. But um, one bait I had was actually two trees, and there was like this really thick bush behind it. Oh, nice! I didn't even have to put any backstop in. I just had to cut branches out of the hole where I was dumping my bait. It was perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but great. A, a lot of the different setups you're going to see, though, when you're looking at different barrel configurations, whether you're 
laying on its side in a trough style or doing some kind of a gravity feed technique like I talked about, just cutting a little sliver off the bottom side of it. Um, whether you've got it standing upright where they have to reach in and kind of dig around for it, yeah. hanging it from a tree. Yeah. Um, all of those are just different ways. I'm not going to say there's one that's necessarily better than the other, but they're all just different ways of either speeding up or slowing down how fast the bear can eat. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're going to get to it no matter what you do. If you, if you, I've seen people ratchet strap those barrels to trees, you know, a couple feet up to where they're not directly on the ground. Yeah. Um, I've seen guys that cut holes in the barrel all the way around and leave it on a 10 foot chain just so mm -hmm. they can roll it back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's all just whatever style you want to do. Yeah. And it just, it's to try and get the bears to have to work for the food. Right. They know the food's there. Right. They, that's the whole reason they're there. So the, there was one more thing that I was going to bring up before we move on from barrel setups and mm -hmm. bear baits. If you do decide to go with a barrel setup, a major advantage of having a barrel is food preservation. Yes. And I'm not talking about from bears. I'm talking about birds mm -hmm. and I'm talking about rain. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. when it rains and your dog food or your popcorn or your oat mixture that you right. have out there whatever you're using for bait and we'll get that later mm -hmm. uh we'll touch on that later on in the show i think um <laughs> hopefully <laughs> whatever you're using for your bait food yeah will get saturated with mm -hmm. rain and i've had it where a lot of times bears will start to get snobby about what they want to eat to mm -hmm. the point where when i come in to put in fresh food and there's a little bit of sa uh, soggy food from the last time I was out there, from when it rained in between, um, the bears will stop eating the mm. soggy stuff and just eat the fresh stuff that yeah, you put I've out. I've had bears yep. just completely, even when there's not been fresh bait, because the, the soggy stuff will get moldy. Yep. It gets, mm. it's like, you know, it's like if you pick up a piece of bread out of the sink and it's wet. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to eat sometimes that. Sometimes they don't eat that. Now, sometimes yep. they do, but mm -hmm. sometimes they won't. And then that's something that you got to clean up. Right. What I recommend doing if you start seeing a pile that they're avoiding because it's gotten wet and moldy, don't wait till the very end of bait season to right. go in and clean all that up. Yeah. You go in there, bring a little collapsible shovel with you, and you dump out your fresh bait, kind of not right on top of all the wet junk, and shovel up the old stuff, throw it in the empty dog food bag, and carry it back out with you and just right. piecemeal it out like that so that you're not stuck shoveling out and carrying a hundred pounds of wet dog food at the end of the year. Right. If you have bears that are being yeah. picky. The number one way I've gotten around that, uh, you know, I've got bears on the bay is instead of just, because it, so when you're carrying, especially when you're hiking in, it's harder to do this, but most of the time I'm wheeling in on my baits and I bring a lot of grease. I bring mm. a ton of grease and I saturate when I dump yes. that dog food out, I saturate it with the grease. And when you saturate it with the grease, the water, it doesn't tend to soak up water very right. much. Right, kind of sheds I, off of it. Well, because it's already soaked up all the grease. Right, right. Yeah. right. And, and then they'll eat it and then they eat the dirt under the dog food. And <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of this. <laughs> that, that's a good point though. Yeah. Remaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, I've never had that issue when I make sure I saturate it with grease. Now yeah. when you're hiking in, I still carry five gallons. I uh, yeah. I, I know people. Sometimes that, I'll carry ten. That don't necessarily. They'll you know they'll mix it ahead of time, yeah. and they don't you don't get as much grease that way. Mm. I have a ton of grease stashed right now. <laughs> yeah. So dude. I don't have a sort shortage. I, yeah. Well, don't short yourself on fryer's grease. Yeah. And another good way to avoid that that I've started doing with my last several bait sites is part of my deciding factor when I'm looking at my bait tree and where I'm going to set it up or my bait trees because I do typically like to run two right. as well is canopy cover. 
Yeah. Um, you know, rather than setting it out under a very tiny tree that doesn't hardly have any uh, foliage on top of it. Did I say that right? Yeah. I think so. Right. I don't see. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. Um, but for rain cover for rain cover yeah. right yeah, yeah. You, if you tuck it up underneath a good sized tree yeah. and you have all of that canopy above you for that rain cover directly yeah. under the tree yeah. right you're not just relying on the canopy that you have for shade but actually right. under that tree um that's a big factor too it's in, amazing in preservation well if, if you walk through the woods when it's pouring down rain and mm -hmm. you look at mm -hmm. the bottom of a big spruce tree <laughs> The trunk is dry. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and that, that tree does a great job of keeping you dry. And even right. if you're sitting up in a tree stand and, and it's pouring rain, yeah. oftentimes I don't even put on a rain jacket. I, nope. I don't even bring rain gear to a bear bait so most times. I wear it to walk in just because I'm going through so much thick mm -hmm. stuff. But once I get to my tree stand, I take it off in most it, cases. If it's raining. Yeah. If, if yeah, it's raining, yeah. 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 Or there's like yeah. the, the right after the rain, especially. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't but, know if we want to talk about that particular thing because I've got some things to say about that. I think we should save that till we're talking about hunting the bait. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but the, yeah, finding a tree that has good canopy, not only does that provide food preservation, it also provides the other things we talked about in the previous episodes, shade, cover, kind of that little bit of, uh, yeah. you know, just the... Uh, Struggling with my words today, the man. Feeling, it's too late. Yeah. In the, it's too late in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> but the it's, feeling uh, of security. The feeling of security. It brings the bears in, in and get, makes them feel safe as they're coming in. Yeah. So that's yeah. a really big thing there. Um, yeah. But as far as all of the different setups you're going to see, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Try one. You know, that's going to be my biggest thing. We could, we could make a whole episode just about different cribbing methods and barrel yeah. methods. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, pick one you're comfortable with. Pick one that you think you can work around. And just go do yeah, it. Try right. it out. If you didn't like it, you can always change it or try something different the next year. You're so. usually limited by what you can find in the area you're trying to put a bait in. So. Yeah. 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 But on the other end, on the other side of that, where you're going to be sitting yeah. is your tree stand That's and right. or ground blind. So my preferred method for baiting bears is I like tree stands. Mm -hmm. And we touched on this a little bit in the mm -hmm. in the last episode we did about this. I keep saying last episode, but it's two episodes ago last now. Bear baiting last episode. bear baiting episode. Yeah. Um, I like being in a tree not for a safety reason. Mm -hmm. I like it for the vantage point. Yeah. Um, I like being able to see what's around me. If a bear is circling, uh, I can usually watch them circle yeah. in, in certain spots. I'm not going to be able to watch them all the time because it's so yeah. thick, but there's usually a little clearing here, a little bit of in between the two trees here, and I can kind of watch it work around. I can get a get an idea for what that bear's thinking, yeah. how it's feeling, yeah. if it's looking right at me, if it doesn't know I'm there kind of thing. Because um, bears will do that. They will circle mm -hmm. a bait sometimes, many, many times before they come in. Absolutely. And, um, that's something you need to be aware of. That is one specific advantage to a tree stand. Uh, personally, I like the Comfort King by uh, Primal. Or no, not Primal. 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 Primal, Primal. yeah. Um, that's been my, my go-to for several years now. It's just the most yeah, comfortable to, thing I've ever had. I'm planning on like, trying out one of yeah. those this year. I love yeah. the Comfort King. It's, I, it's my, it's my favorite stand by far. Yeah. And I've sat in a lot of different tree stands and the Comfort King is my favorite so far. And, and the thing I like about it is it's a hang on tree stand, right? So there's yeah. no ladder going up to it in, right. initially, um, which is another point I'll get to, but I'll save that. Um, it's a hang on tree stand. So it comes with a, a, a strap. I wouldn't trust that people just throwing that out there uh, yeah. not that's, saying anything about the quality, but just, I just always to hold it in place, always use that to hold it in place. Once I position mm -hmm. it because it holds yeah. it fairly loosely, I can yeah. kind of move it around the tree and get it aimed the direction I want it aimed. Yeah. And then I always use at least two extra ratchet straps to hold it to the tree. Right. At least two extra ratchet straps. Yep. Um, 
But the thing I like about that is it has a nice big platform. It has yeah. armrests yeah. and it has a shooter's rail that you can use to to rest your rifle on when you're making your shot. Right. Now, I don't always use that. It folds up and it can just it basically just runs right up and sits against the tree if you want it out of your way, if you're bow hunting or something like that yeah. and you don't want that that rifle rest right there in front of you. But it's I've run really tiny tree stands before. Yeah. And I'm not a tiny guy. Yeah. But <laughs> I Yeah. I I've, I've run those tree stands that are, you know, the size mm -hmm. of your of your rear end. Mm -hmm. If that, or if smaller. not smaller. Yep. Yeah. And it makes it very uncomfortable on those long sits. Oh, yeah. Um, so being in something you're comfortable in, granted, it makes it easier to fall asleep, but yeah. I, I think it's really important for those long sits. Yeah, but if because, you're really uncomfortable when you go to take a shot, that can really affect that too. Well, that, and it affects your patience, yeah. I, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I noticed myself when I started using that Comfort King and I started um, really enjoying sitting there, mm -hmm. you know, because because <laughs> I really, you know, I'll put that, uh, I'll put that shooter's rail down into mm -hmm. its firing position and i actually run a layer of um uh tarp or not tarp but it's the the camouflage uh oh, text textured netting yeah burlap and, netting type right of deal, yeah. and i'll wrap that around that shooter's rail and kind of provide myself a little blind almost mm -hmm. and to date i've never had that get torn down by a bear i i do know people that have had it torn down oh, by bears boy. yeah I'd, but I, the, I wouldn't leave it up there but no, oh i do i'd wrap yeah. it but, up I'd, I'd wrap it up and tie it to the tree or something yeah i don't know i i wire it to the to the i've had stands, rifle rest and i've had leave you know, it there. The, the, the popular old stand style stand was the uh was just like like you're saying it's it's just a plate with a pad mm -hmm. on it in that pad where it doesn't matter how good that pad is <laughs> you know we love ryan's stealthy pad and i'm sure it would help mm. to how long you're going to sit in your stand but when you're sitting there for four long hours or longer, mm -hmm. it still ain't going to be enough if it's just a flat pad. Yeah. The bears will come up and eat those things off the oh, seats. Yeah. I mean, you carry those things yeah. out with you if you can. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, I think I've got one of those old stands, one of those old mm -hmm. small. I, oh, I still ones. have mine. I've got a buddy. I think I do. I was getting rid of a bunch of the stands I didn't like. I was just like, you know what? If I don't have them, I'm not going to set them up mm -hmm. and I'm not going to buy one I don't like. So, yeah. Yeah. But I've got a, a kid that's going to come, uh, come hunting with me this, this year and, I'm really, really tempted to to set up one of the lesser stands <laughs> just so he can get the experience. He's he's got to he's got to earn he's, his yeah he's yeah, got to earn it right. Yeah. Like I I have spent you know I don't know 300 hours in those stands if yep, not more. Yeah. And <laughs> but that's the thing. Like when you have a comfortable stand, you're just motivated to stay for that uh -huh. extra two hours when right. you might have otherwise right. been unable to sit around the other benefit to being able to run a blind system like that is you're able to kind of move your legs a little bit you can read your book in your lap and turn the page uh -huh. without having to worry about the movement um but the one thing i wanted to address is that stands in my perspective people might want to argue with me about this don't offer you the level of protection that i think most people have comfort sitting in them for you know what I mean? It's from bears. From bears. I yeah. don't think that being in a tree stand inherently makes you any safer. Um, because if you have an angry grizzly at the bottom of your tree stand and you're in a ladder stand. Well, if you're in a ladder stand, true. Then. Yeah. <laughs> been there. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, he can very easily, you he know, bounces bend on that, that ladder. That tube aluminum that it's made on of. a tree. <laughs> right. Cricket, if you can hang on to the tree, you should be okay. <laughs> and, and even, even the hang on stands. You know, I mean, bears, black bears can climb trees very quickly. Yeah. Now, are they going to be as dangerous when climbing mm -hmm. as on the ground? Probably not. Right. Um, because they're obviously trying to hang on. But at the same time, I mm. just, 
I have personally, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong, I don't know, but I have personally never felt any safer in a tree stand than on a ground blind. And I know that's a lot of people's excuse for not using a ground blind is that they don't feel comfortable. Uh, um, I, I think that's a misled belief in my personal opinion. I think I'm going to disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, I think so. the same way. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of different bears come in in a tree stand environment, and then I've had several come in on the ground with mm-hmm. me. And there definitely is a difference in I'm, safety and the speed at which they exactly. can choose to turn from I'm just here to eat to I don't like you sitting there anymore. I'm, I'm going to come run through your blind and see what in the world I'm, you're doing I'm not here. saying there's not a difference in the way the encounter will go. I'm saying I feel like if there's going to be an encounter, I'm apt to handle either way. So it is, is the way I, I, I would look at You that. have a much larger buffer zone when you're 10 feet up a tree. Right. That, that's true. Yeah. For the, for the same reason that you like stands over ground blinds just because of the vantage point, mm-hmm. you have the high ground, you know, <laughs> no, no pun intended, but you have the advantage. You're right. already yeah. sitting up in a tree. Do, yeah. You're seeing him come in, him or her, uh, come into the bait and mm-hmm. you're able to watch this unfold. On the ground, I've had it happen where you're sitting there and then out pops this head <laughs> a very short distance away and you're sitting there, you know, drinking your cup of coffee, reading your book, minding your own business and it about gives you a heart attack because yeah. if they don't make any noise and they all of a sudden step out at 15 feet, you mm-hmm. just about need a new pair of trousers. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it can be an unraveling experience. Yeah. Now, I've had... Man, I don't know how many bears I've had start to climb trees while I'm up in them. Or mm-hmm. actually climb the a trees. A lot. A lot yeah, of bears, you know. Right. And at at least stand up underneath your tree, put their front feet up on the bottom of the tree, and just look up at you with this curious look of what in the world is mm-hmm. this? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually that's that's not up there. And that, you know, nine times out of ten, they're just being curious. Yeah. Um, I, I've that, seen yeah. a few YouTube videos of some guys in tree stands where the bear just hauls up that tree. That's yeah. And one of them, I think the bear was being chased by another bear and it just ran up the guy's tree mm-hmm. and it was sitting there like right behind him on yeah. the other side of the tree. And that bear was kind of clicking his teeth and popping his jaw and maybe woofing a little bit. I don't remember, but that bear was right behind this guy mm-hmm. within the reach of one swipe. Yeah. He could have had that guy ripped out of that tree stand so fast. Yeah. And that bear was already acting in a defensive manner. The instant you move, you know, moving your camera to get a better picture of it <laughs> mm-hmm. or, hey bear, hey bear, if you startle that thing, man, that's, it's over. Yeah. And I, I don't care if it's a five foot black bear, he will ruin your day and eat your lunch. Mm-hmm. And another thing, if a black bear comes up to the bottom of your tree stand and climbs up your tree and then has his head just underneath you, do not ever Try kick to... at that bear. <laughs> don't kick him. Don't pet him. Don't kick at that bear. Yeah. <laughs> he will bite you on the foot and Yo. rip you out of that stand faster than you can say, Yo. what just happened? Yeah. So, I'll I'll correct my statement on saying I don't think they're that ground blinds are more dangerous. Yeah. Or that tree stands are less dangerous. I don't know. I'm all confused today. 
But <laughs> but what what I'm saying is a lot of people go into a tree stand and think they're they're invincible. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah. feel like they're mm-hmm. out right. of the danger zone when they're in their stand. I can see that. And, yeah. and I guess that's more what I was going towards. Is right. it, you're well, not you know. out of the element of the bear right. bait. You're not. Now, if you don't have a ladder stand. Mm-hmm. you're going to be a lot safer from grizzly right. bears. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, like, sure, yeah. You're virtually untouchable. Right. I've, I've seen a few grizzly bears that'll climb a tree a little bit, mm-hmm. but I've never seen a grizzly that'll climb like a black bear. <laughs> They'll just sit at the bottom and look at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you may get an eight and a half foot boar that just gets cantankerous mm-hmm. and tries to dig your tree out of the ground. You know, I'm yeah. not saying that won't happen. You know, he might stand there and push on it a little bit, but. Right. You know, pick a big tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's ideal if you can. <laughs> a black bear climbing your tree because he doesn't like you yeah. is rare. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. of the time a black bear climbs a tree Very either because they are they have no idea you're there and they just climb up there. Just to check it out. Just to check it out. Mm-hmm. Or they climb a tree. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll climb it to check you out. Or um, I've, nev- I've not had this happen to me. Or maybe I have. It's been a long time, but... Um, where a, like a sow with cubs is in there and she senses danger and it may be you mm. guys, but she'll, you know, make her little signals and the cub will shoot up a tree right. and it's your tree. <laughs> and those little cubs, <laughs> while they could bite your hand off are a lot, you know, when they're real small, yeah. I've heard of guys feeding them marshmallows. I don't think I've ever done it, but mm-hmm. like I said, it's been a long time. <laughs> I remember something, it's been so long. I can't remember if it was... If it, I, I haven't fed them marshmallows personally, but I've heard of guys feeding cubs marshmallows. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but... <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say no. One cub, <laughs> one cub makes the wrong little moan and mom's coming up that tree yeah. hot and bothered. Yeah. And then you're in trouble. Yeah, when you run out of marshmallows and it wants <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, oh, but that's my that's my preference is a hang-on stand. Um, yeah. I think it offers a lot of advantages. Yeah. I think it offers a, a lot of ability to kind of gauge what's around you yeah and, and really get a read on these bears yeah um i know that ladder stands off offer a lot of the same right. benefits uh, i just think that and they're, and they're a great option i'm not saying they're not a great option right um just if you are going after grizzly specifically maybe look at hang on <laughs> um you can do you can do ladder stands and people do it every single year I, and are very successful with it mm-hmm. um I would but, say one more thing about tree stands before we get off this uh, subject. Uh, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to camp here for a minute. Okay. Um, one more thing I would do with, with a tree stand setup, mm. um, and even for a ground blind for that matter, you want to know once you've got bears on there what their habits are when they come into a bait. Mm-hmm. And what I will do sometimes, if I see when I come into a bear bait that something looks different on my tree, like maybe there's a claw mark where there wasn't a claw mark before. Mm-hmm. Now I know there's been a bear checking that tree out. Maybe he smells me going up that tree. I, I, I mean, obviously he smells you going up that tree. Even after you're gone for two days, he mm-hmm. can smell that you're on that tree, right. right? Oh, yeah. And if they get real curious and go up the tree and they kind of sniff out the tree stand and maybe mess a few things up or kind of claw at your stand a minute and you see some little scratch marks on your tree stands, well, um, once curious, always curious mm-hmm. until shot. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times what I'll do if I have a curious bear that's climbed my stand before, and then I come in there and I see those signs, before I leave that night or the next morning, depending on how fun it gets that night, um, before I'll leave that bait, I'll set up another camera. Mm. I, I usually always have a backup camera in my bag when I go into a bait. That mm-hmm. way, in case something's happened to my camera there, if I've only got one there for whatever reason, 
or if something happens to one of my two cameras that are there, I've got a backup with me all the time mm-hmm. so I can replace it. Right. And I'll set up a third camera facing my stands or my ground blind for that matter. If you build up a big brush blind that you just sit behind when you come into your bait yep. and you get in there and that, and that sucker is wrecked, you need to watch out for that bear yeah. because he's trying to tell you that he didn't like what he saw. Mm-hmm. And especially if you got grizzly bears in there, if you got a grizzly bear that trashes your ground blind, um, yeah, don't doze off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can set a camera facing either your ground blind or your tree stands mm-hmm. and you can kind of see what that bear is doing. Turn it on video Yeah, and get an idea of what that bear is doing. If he comes in there and he's all hot and bothered and he climbs up your tree stand and he's trying to rough up your stuff, or if he comes into your ground blind and does his stomp and pees mm-hmm. in your spot and mm-hmm. you know, maybe messes up the brush a little bit, you need to be able to know that so that you know what to watch for. Yeah. So anyway, just a well, quick tip on that. Yeah. I'll, I'll wrap up my, my spiel about uh, tree stands in particular, um, just saying that the, the average distance you should be from your barrel, depending on your hunting style. Yeah. You know, if you are, uh, if you're bow hunting, obviously you want to be closer. You yeah, want to be for sure. What, like 15 yards, I'd say. I mean, 20. You, you could be 20, 20 yards and under is yeah. fine. But if you're rifle hunting, I have a, a little bit different opinion than some where I like to be as far away as the brush allows me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my rifle will reach there accurately because oh, it's course. always well under 100 yards, oh, right? Yeah. right? By as far away as possible, I've never had one be over 35 yards. Yeah. Um, it's just in the thickness of the areas that we're bear baiting, it just doesn't happen. Right. You know? um, right. So, but what that does is that allows you, because again, when, what we've talked about with, you always want to hit your tree stand first on your trail in, right? Yes. You, when you're walking in, you should hit your tree, tree stand first and then have your barrel be further down. Yep. If you walked in and let's say you bumped a bear off and you just watched it run off, you can get up into your tree stand. And if you're that far away, you're going to have a lot less um, scent yep. getting towards that barrel. Yep. It's not going to be a huge difference per se, but it, it can be, it, but it can be depending on if the wind is in your face when you get in there. Right. You know, and, and they, it, they might not even smell you. It's less noise. It's less scent. It's just, you're, you're just that much farther away from the, the actual food right. and the bait. Right. And I totally agree. You, you can still take an ethical shot. Um, and, uh, the other thing is it allows you that option that when you go in to check it, you know, let's say in the earlier part of the season, when you're still waiting for those bears to hit. You can show up to that tree stand, climb up in there, use your binos or mm-hmm. your scope or whatever you have, check. And if it if all of those logs ha- are still there and nothing's been moved, no no bait's been disturbed, um, then you can just roll out of there, and you never put your scent on there, yeah. right? Unless you're intending to add more more right. spray and more grease and more whatever it is that you're planning to do. Um, but that's really, I, I think, the two biggest differences between archery hunting and rifle hunting is just that distance away from yeah. from your stand that you want to be. Right. Um, as far as ground blinds go, I think you've had probably, Dalton, the most experience in ground blinds out of all of us. Yeah. Um, so, oh. I was going to say one say? more thing about tree stands. Sure. Is, uh, yeah. One tree stand type we haven't talked about that you will find a lot if you go to look for bear baits, especially on road systems. I was, I was going to mention is, this uh, exact same thing. Is, is, is like a tree fort style tree stand. Oh, I was going to do that. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like we're still in the tree stand deal. So, you know, and actually one thing that my dad and I did when I was growing up was we actually set up a ground blind in a platform stand Mm -hmm. just for for better cover. Um, 
And then I think he, if I remember right, he left it out there and it got eaten. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I may be wrong about it. I don't, that's what it seems like happened. And we ended up with some camo netting. But what you can do, especially for me, it's not something I'll usually do mm-hmm. until I've got a really, I know I've got a good bait that I'm going to be baiting a lot. And then I find some logs that, you know, I'll usually cut a tree down for this, but it's just under the size limit, which I believe the size limit's like four inches or I, six I, inches. I think it's four inches. I think it's four I, inches. I don't remember. Which is plenty mm-hmm. big enough. Usually oh. I don't cut them down that big for, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I'll haul in a piece of plywood. A lot of times I'll custom cut it to what I know where, because I'll have a kind of a spot picked out where it's going to happen. Right, yeah. And, and I'll ratchet strap those logs to the trees, right? Mm-hmm. And you can set that plywood up there and, you know, you just figure out, find something stable. If you need an extra log, you throw it up there. I usually build like a little triangle frame with your logs right, right. and then set that plywood right. on it. And then, you know, pound in some nails or a couple yeah, of wood screws a couple or nails, something. And a lot of times, even with the nails, I'll leave the heads up just a little now, bit. I want to make a really quick point on that. Uh-huh. Um, you guys are talking about running the, uh, running those screws into the, from the plywood into the logs that you're using to support. Right. right? Because the state laws on that are that you're not allowed to lag bolt into a tree when you're setting up one of these things. Yeah. That is, that is one thing when I was looking into it, cause I have a bait that I'm, I'm probably going to be doing that this year mm-hmm. at, if it, if it produces the way I'm expecting it to. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, so you do have to ratchet strap it or otherwise attach it to the tree. Yeah. Um, there, there's a yeah. lot of them out there with nails in them. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of them are old. <laughs> yeah. Those are the old ones. And hey, if you find it and you can use it, nobody's using it, go for it. But mm-hmm. I just um, want, wanted to say that before people got in trouble. That's why I specifically said ratchet strap because yeah, and yeah. It, you know what? Ratchet straps aren't expensive. It's easy to do. It makes it really easy to take down mm-hmm. at the end Don't of the year. Don't use cheap straps. <laughs> yeah. Don't get do that. that. No. And get, get good inch and a half or two inch ratchet straps. Mm-hmm. And, and then you talk yeah. about being comfortable. Okay. You oh, got a platform. Yeah. Especially Picnic if you throw up chair. a camo net. You, yeah. you got your, you got your, what, your, your uh, yeah, your, your folding chair of choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to carry it in there with every time or, you know, just keep one out there. You don't mind the bear eating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's tricks to do with that too. They even will. with even with my nice tree stands, I fold the seat up however I can. Yeah. I strap it to the tree yeah. to yep. make it hard to get at. Yep. Pick, you know, with, with folding chairs, at least fold them up and lay them down because mm-hmm. then they don't see them unless they climb up there. Right. You could even bungee them to a tree, you know, make them harder to get at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, no, but, you know, I, I love that setup, especially, and actually I've killed multiple bears out of a setup like that yeah. and i love it because it's nice it's easy it's, well, it's relaxed and then you're, you're able to spread about, your gear out all, yeah you know, yeah you're not, you're not all it's not right in between your feet the whole night right. it's, it's as comfortable as sitting on the ground blind you have mm-hmm. all that room to just lay your stuff out at your yep. feet yeah and the great part about it is you can just put camo netting around the whole thing mm-hmm. and if you're and, really tired Oh man. You can lean back in your lawn chair and fold your arms and you know, doze off a little bit. Or, you know, especially if there's two people and you take turns some, and you're sitting overnight or something. Some of the oh, yeah. best naps I've ever taken were in that comfort king, man. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. At at the right bait, a platform stand is yeah. a luxury. What? And that like is, I said, that is a very nice setup to yeah. go with. But do it responsibly. Yeah. And remember that you are required to bring everything back out at the end of season so don't build some crazy swiss family robinson treehouse up there because yeah you have to you have to drag it's, it all back all out, out yeah yep. Yep. so yeah yeah in an ideal world if you can just go in there you know um use some small trees for your support post or, mm-hmm. or, or, or i'm sorry for your frame mm-hmm. for your outside of your frame and then cut a couple um to nail to each other as like a little um 
uh, floor joists, if you could imagine that, mm-hmm. uh, and then lay your plywood on that. All you need to carry out is your ratchet straps and your plywood. Yeah, right. and just right. leave leave your little um, your little frame sitting there on the ground. And yep. if it doesn't rot too much through the winter, use it again next yeah, year. If you yep. set, if you store it right, find a place to set it up or something, then it'll be fine the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and that way you don't have to carry out two by fours or right. two by sixes right. and yeah. plywood and. You know, right. any hardware. I mean, that if you, you want to do two by fours in the whole nine yards and carry sure. it out, you know, sure. but it, it's just, just keep it manageable. Like I said, it, and, and that's where yeah. if you've got an established bait, if it's a wheeler bait, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of those things just make it really nice to do that. And yeah. I don't know if I'm going to set up any baits like that this year. And a lot of times yeah. if I have a bait that I can just know it's going to be good and I'm going to be coming back the next year, I may not even bring my regular stands in yeah. there. I may set that up to Oh, sure. With. Yeah. I mean, if you know that's the method you're going to go with, why yeah. not? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think I've got a spot this year that I, you know, I've I've got three real nice hanger stands right now. Mm-hmm. I'm debating on whether or not one of my baits is either going to be a ground blind or I'm going to go full Swiss Family Robinson and build a nice platform <laughs> stand. Um, and by nice, I mean, you know. Yeah. A lot of guys will... Throw yeah. a couple logs up higher and throw a tarp over. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The rain. Yeah. yeah. Nice green little tarp, and you know you can leave your t-shirt sitting in there, nailed up to the back of the yeah. wall, and yeah, leave a little bit of scent in there. And then when you come in and sit down, it doesn't like anything's changed. Yeah. And they'll just carry on. <laughs> exactly. Just don't be smelling like Marlboro Reds and Old Spice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? And some bears don't care, but. <laughs> it's up to you. I think we need to make that into a Bear Baiters t-shirt. Ma- I thought, <laughs> Marlboro Red and Old Spice. I was texting Chris earlier today. And yeah. He's texting me about that. I was yeah. like, that statement's going to live with the show forever, he's, bro. He's so he's so proud that we keep using that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris is hilarious. We might have to make a t-shirt about that. Yeah, we might have to. We have some other ideas, you know, the, the, the Timothy Treadwell t-shirt might have to come first. <laughs> Goat, goats at the Bear Bait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goats from at the Bear Rose. Bait. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. So you were going to ask about ground blinds? Where were you yeah, going with that? Um, go into like uh, setting up a ground blind, what what kind of a position you want to be in compared to your barrel, how far away you want to be, yeah. uh, especially conditions to look for around you yeah. for your visibility because right. that is the one downside to a ground blind right. is your visibility is limited to right. the brush. I mean, you have the same visibility the right. bear does basically. Right. So uh, a lot of people uh, feel very unsafe on the ground mm-hmm. with bears. Uh, there's a fellow that uh, is probably listening to the show right now that uh, had, it was his first experience running his own bear bait. And he had um, a black bear come in by itself, mm. 
relatively soon after they'd sat down at this little ground blind in the brush. There weren't any stand trees in the area. Uh, I, I know the area well where he was at. And this bear just came a sneaking in and didn't make a sound, and it just popped up behind him just staring at him. Which the mature bears typically don't make a lot of noise when they come in. And it really shook these guys up. There, mm-hmm. was, there was two of them sitting here in the stand, and uh, they were bow hunting. I, I believe they had a handgun amongst the two of them. I think they had a, a nine millimeter actually. And uh, this bear came sneaking in, didn't make a peep, mm-hmm. came into the bait, kind of circled around, kind of freaked him out a little bit. They ended up shooting it, uh, killed the bear with his bow, clean kill, no problem, right? Um, that particular spot, it is so thick mm-hmm. and willowy and mm-hmm. underbrush heavy in there. Yeah. There aren't any good stand trees to get up any elevation to see over that, to see bears coming in, right? Which your sight is often your biggest defense mechanism against bears because, mm-hmm. I, you know, some people can smell bears uh, if, if you're downwind of them. Um, I, I know I've smelled bears before they come into view at a bear bait. Sometimes I don't even hear them. Yeah, But if I get a whiff of something, many times I've had this happen with other friends in the stands where I'll smell something and the woods will go quiet and then a squirrel will start chirping 50 yards away and you know that's a bear coming in. Yep, You could smell them and then all the signs happen around you, you know mm-hmm. that's a bear coming in. So anyway, at this particular spot they were at, it was super underbrushy. They didn't have a lot of visibility around their ground blind, I don't think. And as far as safety goes, if you set up a ground blind at a bait site, obviously take the wind into consideration, Mm -hmm. take the sun into consideration, all the same things that you would think about with setting up a tree stand style bait. Um, Definitely don't forget about the wind. Don't forget about the sun angle. Um, Obviously put it before you get to the bait. That still stands. Mm -hmm. Um, But you want to make sure that you're not well number one for me is don't ever set bait down close to your mm, blind yeah ever <laughs> make sure you carry your scent not even in with you not even during setup i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not even during setup right if you get into a spot and you're like yeah this is a great spot you dump all your stuff on the ground mm-hmm. dump all your stuff on the ground meaning, meaning you drop your pack and you unload your sled right. whatever um and you're just standing there, and then you go, all right, I'm going to put the bait 20 yards over there, and I'm going to put the ground blind right here where I'm standing. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah. Bad idea. Right. Ask me how I know. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of different ground blinds torn up because I'll come in, drop my pack right where the, right where the ground blind is, and my pack frame has some nasty bore scent on it, right? That happens. And now that ground blind smells like the bait pile. Right. It smells like a bear. And those bears, what do they do when I'm not there to scare them off? Um, they come in, they tear that thing up mm-hmm. because the blind doesn't look any different to them than that barricade does sitting right behind their bear bait. Yep. So how do they know that there's not food underneath that bear, underneath that blind, yep. right? They're going to tear it apart looking for whatever that smells like, right? So that's my number one thing. Make sure that you don't ever put any bait or scent lures or attractants near or at your blind site. Mm-hmm. What I like to do for a ground blind, generally speaking, is I like to just use brush from the surroundings. Okay. If it's early in the season, um, obviously all your stuff is going to be pretty dead in there in the beginning of May. Once it starts greening up, 
You can uh, kind of cut some underbrush from around the area. You don't need to cut big trees to do it. Obviously, mm-hmm. we already covered that. Um, but just get a few little shoots and willows and small trees. And um, w- what I've done in the past is I'll take um, three or four dowel rods mm-hmm. from like Lowe's or Home Depot, right? And I will staple some camo netting to that dowel rod top to bottom every, I don't know, four or five feet Mm -hmm. for the length of that burlap camo netting. And I'll use that as kind of my wall of support. And then when I go into my spot that I picked out to sit at a ground blind bait, I will take that and unroll it with those dowel rods stapled to that netting. Mm -hmm. And I'll stick those stakes in and kind of build myself a little semicircle. Yeah. And I'll, I'll wrap myself around in that little enclosure as much as I can. Mm. And sometimes I'll bring in two different sets of netting just so that I can make almost a complete circle. And then I'll have some brush sitting off to the side that I can just pick up and close off my entry. That way I'm not really exposed mm-hmm. so much. Visibility-wise, that helps a lot. And then once I get that camo netting set up, um, you just kind of get some sticks and brush and just pile on the brush and some spruce boughs from here and a willow brush from there mm-hmm. and different things. And before you know it, you feel like you're in Africa at a lion bait, right? <laughs> and obviously keep a shooting lane, keep mm-hmm. several shooting lanes towards towards the bait and right. around yourself. And make sure that you have sight lanes too. You need to be able to turn on your stool or in your chair quietly, mind you. Yeah. And... Because now you're on their level. When you're up in a tree, it's easy to kind of get away with a little bit of noise Mm -hmm. because they're generally not looking up in the trees for whatever's making any noise. Most of what they encounter is on their level, right? Most of their threats. Well, now you're on their level on a ground blind. And if they come in and you make a squeak in your chair, getting your bow ready or clicking the safety off your rifle or putting your book down, mm-hmm. whatever it is, or you drop your phone out of your lap when you fall asleep and a bear comes in. Which, for those listening, if you haven't been in a bear bait, everything is amplified like 10 times with the sound. Yeah. Especially if, if at about to, 11 o'clock at night if when you go to open quiet. up a, a Ziploc baggie that you have your snacks oh, in, man. it's amazing how loud that sounds yeah. when you've been sitting in the quiet for three, four right. hours. Right, you know? right. So I, I would say that when you're on the ground, make sure that you can move and get a 360 around yourself mm-hmm. quietly. That way, if you do hear a stick break behind you, if you got a bear coming in behind you, you need to be able to turn around and keep keep an eye on that bear. You don't want to have bears that you can't see in close proximity to you. Because like we mentioned with Mariah's article on the, on the website of ours, a bear that can be seen can be read. Right. If you can't see it and you don't hear it, you might not see that he's standing up and kind of posturing that he then he'll come down mm-hmm. and he'll kind of scrape the ground a little bit and then maybe he'll maybe he'll snarl a bit. If you can't see him doing all that mm-hmm. and he's 15 feet away back in the brush somewhere, then when he decides to come in to check out what in the world he smells, you're not going to be prepared for what he's going about for what he's about to do, right? Right. So make sure that you have good visibility around you. Now, don't go too far with it. Don't blast out all the brush all around there with a machete and just clear the whole thing down to a golf course, right? You don't want there to be any open 
areas necessarily. Mm. You just want to be able to see through the brush. Mm -hmm. That'll mean limbing the bottom of a few different trees, right? Right. Take off some of that underbrush that they like for the security, but leave it thick over by the bait, right? Now, if you're bow hunting, again, 20 yards or under. Personally, I've never shot a bear with a bow that I've been in a stand at over... I don't know, 18 yards. Yeah. yeah I shot same. one one I, I shot one on the ground one time. I wasn't in my ground blind. Um, that was at 38 yards. Mm. And that was with a bow. And that was that was an exception. I wasn't even in my blind yet. Right. I came into view of the bait. There was a bear kind of standing off to the side. I could tell right away it was <laughs> easily a shooter bear mm-hmm. end of season. I was going in there to clean the bait up. I was done. I thought the bait was going to be dead. You know, I hadn't had any activity yet. It was a test bait. Um, I went in there to grab my camera and start carrying out bait. I got in there and the whole thing was cleaned out. (laughs) And I was happy for two reasons. Number one, there was a monstrous bear standing there staring at me. Number two, I didn't have to carry all the bait out. I didn't have to carry any bait out of there. Uh, I just had to carry out my stink bucket. So um, anyway, as far as ground blinds go with a rifle, Mm -hmm. if you've got the ability to have some distance, man, that's invaluable. Dude, I watched a video one time of a guy. I swear it had to have been 100 yards. Yeah. Like, well, you need a ground I've, blind at that point. I've heard of well, it. sitting in a lawn chair. Yeah. He just sit in a lawn chair. Behind, That's know, essentially what it tree. was. He had a yeah. shooting stick set up in front of him. Oh, and yeah. Just, I mean, the bears had no idea he was even there. Oh, yeah. It was it was insane. I've heard of setups where similar setup with the brush, but like they'll use a piece of plywood as their backer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's really easy for them to pull in and out, you know, whatever. And, right. And uh, and they just walk up behind it and they walked up behind it, seen bears and shot them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just dude, when they walk up, like, yeah. Yep. Well, let's go check the bait, you know? Right. Right, and you talk about camps, the perfect stalking. Yeah, camps, you know, camps a half mile away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And right. Real nice setup. I mean, if, if you have the ability to set up a ground blind in your rifle hunting, um, and you can be 40, 50, 60 yards away, right. Right. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know? Uh, now, well, again, it gives them that extra berth where you're not inter- right. You're, you're not interfering on their space. Not, yeah, you're, exactly. Yeah. You're not in their red zone. Yeah, they might bears, even circle the bait in front of you. Bears like- <laughs> have an incredible sixth sense. And they can tell when something's up mm-hmm. if if their wits are about them. Yeah. And the right bear or the wrong bear, and I guess in this case, that comes in, even if your wind is good, even if you've done a good job with controlling your scent, you've got a bunch of perfume out from Betum 907 trying to overpower their nose. Uh, man, sometimes they just know something's up. Yeah. And you can really reduce that factor if you've got a rifle bait I, even on a ground blind mm-hmm. that's 50 plus yards away. If you have that ability, that's yeah. pretty sweet. Which And sometimes that's even easier on the ground because you can oh, shoot man. under the trees. Yeah. Oh. Or if you've got cross valley. Right. If yeah. you've got a bait where you've got one of our armpits that we're talking about mm-hmm. and you can see down into this brush right. from where you're at. If and I'm, I might try that this year. I've, I've got a spot that we're going to talk about off air that I was looking at for this year, where I could go in to the bottom of a valley. There's a huge creek in the bottom, and then I can set a bait up at the bottom, mm-hmm. right on the edge of the super super thick tree line. So where if they want to come out mm-hmm. to the bait, they've got to come out just about five yards. That's all I need, yep. baby. Yep. That's all I need. <laughs> and I can sit up the hill 
60 yards away, smelling like Marlboro Reds and Old Spice. (laughs) (laughs) Caveat, I do not smoke. (laughs) Do you use Old Spice? You know, I I do. Oh, man. You're 25, bro. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm not in tune with the... uh, I'm I'm not in tune with the fashion of what deodorant is. Mm, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really don't care. You get on that Doctor Squatch. I, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, like Terry Crews and the I Old don't Spice. Smoke Ter- you know, okay, I, Terry Crews did did yeah. very well for the Old Spice guys. I don't smoke Marlboro Reds, and I don't smell like Old Spice <laughs> when I'm bear baiting. But right. you know, if if you can if you can sit fifty or sixty yards away, yeah. um, man, everything just becomes more relaxed. Yeah. You're for the most part, you're not going to have bears coming right in on your blind because you're not. If you do a good job controlling where you put your bait down, like mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of mm-hmm. this, they don't have any interest in coming up there. Right. There's all this there food over here. Why yeah, would they go there over there? No reason for that. Right. Yeah. None. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I'm, if I can do it, I'm going to try to pull it off. I'm, I'm excited. I want to see it. I, I, I mean, that guy that had that hundred yard mm-hmm. bear bait, I mean, that was. You talk about being able to sit there and just relax. Yeah, I was impressed. I'm not going to lie. I will say the one thing I would miss if I do set up a bait like that is you're not in close being able to watch Yeah, I was going to mention that. That would kind of bother me. There's something about that experience of just being right. I mean, when you can stand and a bear walks underneath you, you know. Right. Yeah, you can watch the bear and listen to him breathe and hear the the bugs buzzing around him and hear his ears flip. There is something the special away. to that. That's, that's something you yeah. can't replace. And it's something you can't get anywhere else. No. You know, I mean, no. especially for the duration. I mean, that's half the yeah. reason I like bear baiting yeah. is just watching it's so them, much man. fun. But. Uh, I was going to ask, because you talked a lot about, you know, kind of building a ground blind and that being ideal. Yeah. Have you run pop-up ground blinds? I have. I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot to mention that. I've got a pop-up like ground blind. Ease of access and being able just to throw something up, especially if you don't have a stand set up. Right. When you walk in and there's bears there right. and ready to hunt. Right. So the, the the major downside to a pop-up blind is they're heavy and they're cumbersome to carry. Mm. They're big. They don't collapse down that small. Right. And you do have some blind spots in them. Uh, the, again, the, the corner pieces between the windows and all that. Well, so the, the one that I've got doesn't have blind spots anywhere except where the zipper door is. Okay. There's no window screen right there. Now, when I set up a ground blind... I've got all the window screens um, unvelcroed right. and down. Everything's open in that thing, and I've got a thermosel running. All the bugs stay out of it. It's like your own. It's like you're in your own little it's bubble. Pretty in there. nice. It's pretty slick. <laughs> pretty slick. So we used um, to run one in a tree stand. <laughs> it was pretty nice. How redneck are you? <laughs> you know me. Very, you know my dad. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I, I've run the pop-up blinds a lot. Uh, I, I do want to say you want to make sure that you've got some kind of covering for your face mm-hmm. in there. And I would wear some kind of a mesh or even light glove, like a dark colored glove, and then wear dark toned clothing mm-hmm. when you sit in the bear bait uh, pop-up blind. Because you've got a dark blind that you've got brush still around it. I still line around it with brush Mm -hmm. because you know whatever real tree x whatever camo is not what your bait is going to look like (laughs) a dark tone that's not shiny is the ideal ground blind for sure right so it it, but 
then you have all those windows open. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're going to see this big pile of brush, whatever. They can't distinguish what that is. But then you've got holes in it. And the inside of a blind is black. Yeah. And when you look into the blind, if they see this reflective sweaty face <laughs> sitting in there, yeah. or if they see you wearing camo that sticks out against that dark background of the blind inside. Like the original Sitka patterns the going. The blind ain't <laughs> the place for camo. Yeah. It just isn't. Um, you want something that that's dark earth tone right. solid mm -hmm. that looks like a part of the inside of the blind. Well, because at that point, instead of hiding your silhouette, it almost adds to right. it. Right. There so are just, some really dark camos that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. would probably work but fine. I, I, but. I, I'm not going to encourage folks to go buy a special camo to sit in a ground blind. It yeah. ain't rocket science. Yeah. But as far as that goes, I, I, I really do like the ground blinds uh, for the ease of just going in, pop mm -hmm. it up pull some brush around it, and mm -hmm. you're good to go. Right? Do you, do you leave it or do you, do you carry it out with do you? do not leave it. Yeah, they are too expensive to have a bear eat one for fun. <laughs> and was, very fragile, too. I was looking at a single-sided pop-up. Have you ever used, or like where it's like a, just a, two angles that come together? I think you put I, some stakes in the ground or L something. That little L90 shape I, The one I was looking deal. at it wasn't even quite an L. I'm pretty sure. I didn't oh, look at it okay. a lot, but I think it was like Realtree or something. I haven't mm -hmm. seen that, no. I, I, I saw a picture of it or something and was thinking about like, it seems like it'd be super... Talk about quick, easy to throw up. You're yeah. not going to have the problem of a dark inside of a blind, so yeah. you don't have a lot of prep to do or anything. You know what I want to see if it works or not is one of those mirror blinds. I was just going to say you know, the one I would not recommend <laughs> is except, one of those mirror blinds. Except <laughs> I, I, think, I think it would work great right up until you touch off around and the whole thing breaks and you have bad luck no, for like I, 200 I, years. I think it would work great until you have a bear that starts walking up to it and then right. it starts getting aggressive and then the bear it's seen in the right. mirror, which is itself right. is acting aggressive. Right. And then all right. of a sudden now you're caught. <laughs> you know, they have um, <laughs> since we're on on the topic, I've read about and they have technology, and I don't know if it'll be available for ground blinds realistically, but where it's uh where it'll mirror what's behind it, mm. to, where oh, you've got like a, if you, yeah. you've got even like a fabric where it you know all so, this so like small it, miniature it, it photoshops in real time, basically yeah <laughs> that that's what it's supposed to be. I don't know how usable any of that would You're be. You want to talk maybe. about an expensive ground blind? Oh boy! But hey, people would buy it. Oh yeah. I'd try it once. I, I, I mean, wouldn't. yeah, but whitetail hunters, are you kidding me? Turkey hunters? Like, dude, right. it, it ain't rocket science. So, ain't. so <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to be sticking hey, the mud about this. Whitetail hunters and turkey hunters are nuts. And no offense to you guys, but like they would spend the money on it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't spend the money on crazy gadgetry. I, something that I want to try is Ozonics. Uh, those, um, the, the, the scent killer technology yeah. you can put up one of those little devices at your stand and that I'm a helps bit with kill your scent thing. yeah i i think i need some scent killer <laughs> <laughs> i think there's definitely some validity especially if you're trying to target grizzly bears mm -hmm. right bears yeah. probably not so much now on that note just just while we're here talking about scent control i, I think we pretty much covered ground blinds do you have mm -hmm. any more questions yeah. about that okay no i think we're good as far as scent control uh, a trick that I do that I know you've seen me do it a lot and Mariah as well. When I go into a bear bait, let's just use tree stands because that, that's for the most part what the three of us do right. um, most of the time. If we have the ability to, then we'll, we'll set up a nice tree stand setup, right? When I get up into the stand after I've dumped out a bunch of fresh bait, I've mm -hmm. pulled the SD card out of the camera. I get up there. I'm hanging my rifle or my bow. I'm hanging up my little backpack. I'm situated. I'm getting set, right? I'll hang up my little scent bottle mm. that I bring in there. 
Now, not to be mistaken with all the trash and garbage and grease jug and everything else that will stay wrapped up on my pack frame inside the empty dog food bag that I'll hang on a tree limb mm-hmm. underneath a tree that I can see close by. Most of the time, I don't bring that pack frame up in the stand with me. I have done it. I know I did it a bunch last year. Mm-hmm. And I... I, I <laughs> there wasn't really anywhere else to put it, honestly. I didn't have a lot of other <laughs> options, but a lot of times before what I've done mm-hmm. is um, I'll... Uh, I'll screw in an extra tree step mm-hmm. on a tree yep. about 10 yards away that I can still see up at, you know, as high as I can reach, which is, you know, over seven feet. Um, and I'll just screw in that one step. And then when I'm done dumping out all the bait, I'll wrap that all up in that empty dog food bag, close up the pack frame flaps, snap it shut and hang that pack frame up as high as I can reach it on that hook. Mm-hmm. That way I can still see it. If a bear comes in and tries to run off with it, you know, mm-hmm. I can throw a stick at it if I don't want to shoot it and try to deter it from stealing my pack frame. And uh, anyway, that, that, that keeps some of that grease and, and garbage off of your stand tree. Sometimes it's not a big deal. Sometimes it is. I've done it both ways either way. But no matter what, though, I bring up a bottle of spray scent. Mm-hmm. Now, Usually, when I go into a bait, I'm freshening it up, and you'll hear us use that term a lot. When I go in there, I'm I dump the dog food, I dump grease on it, and this is at an active bear bait that mm. already has bears. And then I'm spraying around some fresh nasty boar spray. Maybe I'm putting a little bit of fresh paste out, you know, insane banana or anise, whatever. And then when I get up in the stand, I bring up a bottle of Cupcake Addiction scent spray from Baited 907. And I'll bring up that big 32-ounce bottle, and I'll hang that off of a little stick or, or twig or whatever, or even off the bottom of my tree stand. Mm. And that's for the sole purpose of after I get situated, and when I expect bears to start coming in, I, uh, I, I put that spray on that uh, very fine, wide spray mist mm-hmm. setting on the nozzle, and I'll just give that a squirt in every direction just, around Just like me. an air rate, air, kind of let it drift off. And then just let the wind carry it off into the spruce boughs and onto the trees around me. And you can see it kind of fall down in the glistening mm-hmm. sunshine. I love and that look. you just so, know that everything around you now smells like cupcake addiction. Keep in mind that with, if keep in mind which direction the wind's blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't blow it, spray it into the wind or else you. And then get it in your eyes. Well, real, well, get it in your eyes and then you'll smell like blueberry. Or for me, I would no. smell like blueberry, but. I've got an even worse one. So, and we'll, we'll circle back to the setup portion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was setting up my bait <laughs> and I was uh, going in, freshening it up. And this is the first year that she had put out the spray bottles of Nasty Boar. Okay. Before yeah. that, it was always the paste or the, the bait balls that right. you hang up in the I didn't tree. even get a spray bottle of Nasty Boar. It's and, just like, oh, I, I don't, don't want to risk. I don't want to <laughs> risk. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but I was going around the bait, spraying this Nasty Boar around, uh-huh. right, trying to see how this spray works. And. The wind shifted. I was paying attention to the wind uh, up until I got complacent, and I, I went to go spray this branch, and right as I was pulling the trigger on that bottle, man. little gust it, of wind. Li- the wind changed, and I, I squeezed, and all I felt all up my arm was just, oh. just mist 
all the way up. It's and like, I was in a short sleeve <laughs> shirt too. So like it was skin contact the it's whole like, way yeah. up. My wife drove home that day. <laughs> it's like, I didn't want to touch the yeah, steering it's, wheel. It's bro. like when you go to camp as a kid and there's that kid that's just not all there and he goes <laughs> off to the edge to pee when it's just a bunch of guys and he pees into the wind. No, oh, You yeah. see it come back. He comes back and he's covered. He didn't figure it out halfway through, you know? Right. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a day, man. I mean, for the rest of the day, all I smelled was nasty boar. It didn't oh. matter. Oh, it was so bad, but but as far as <laughs> as far as scent control goes, mm -hmm. I really like that sweet smell to kind of cover the human scent because you're going in. It's a nice June summer day. Mm. Sometimes it's real hot in the middle of the oh, afternoon yeah. when you go in to sit. Right? Yeah. Oftentimes, if I if I have the ability to, I'll be out at the bait going in to 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 dump in new bait and sit a little while before they're normally hitting. Mm -hmm. If I've got bears that start right. to hit around 8.30 or 9 o'clock, which is pretty typical, and then the activity goes on through the through the night till one mm -hmm. thirty or 2 a.m., right? If they're starting to hit at about 8 or 8.30, I want to be in there by 6. That's, that, that's a pretty safe time for me. Um, that gives me plenty of time to get in there, make all my noise, and... Uh, and it, make sure that I'm all set up and then I can get in the stand. I stop sweating. That scent has a chance to kind of dissipate. I kind of dry off. I don't smell quite so bad. And I use that cupcake addiction spray mm -hmm. to cover that human scent around there. And then if you get a bear that comes in, he's real tentative. He starts doing a little circling around. He's not sure if he wants to come in or not. He can maybe smell you. Mm -hmm. Just reach down, grab that little bottle, Give it a few squirts mm -hmm. around you, and he'll smell that. And more times than not, he'll come right in after that when he yeah. gets a snout full of that cupcake addiction. Oh yeah. Anyway, so that's a good, uh, good little area there. How do you know when they're coming in at eight thirty? Trail cameras, <laughs> trail cameras, <laughs> or <laughs> or intuition. Yeah, <laughs> or I intuition. Saw, I saw a picture on Instagram Knowledge. today. Mm. Did you really? I did. No kidding. On which on which page? The Northern Hunter doc, or not dot com, the, the dot Northern dot Hunter. Oh man! And, and you're the tech guy. Yeah, I know, right? No, I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the social media guy. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you tell people a little bit about that project you got going? Okay, on. so I've got. I, I decided I want uh, to find a good good trail cameras. So I bought. I had two different kinds of trail cameras that mm -hmm. I'd run previously, and I bought two more kinds. Uh, total, all different brands, different you know, all different types and stuff. You can't use cell cameras in Alaska, so none right. of them are cell cameras. Yep. You can't even have those on your, just to hit that, you can't even have on your bait. You can't have a cell camera mm. on your bait. Nope. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's one with a screw-off antenna, you might be safe if it doesn't say cell camera on the front, but just... Even just, then, you're pushing the boundaries. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. push it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just don't risk it, because... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, but I'm working on just finding a better trail camera. I'm going to do some trail camera reviews this this year. Mm -hmm. So... So tell us what different brands you got so See, far. I've got a Moultrie, one of the new Moultrie Mini, I think 42i or something like that. Okay. I've got one of the, Muddy started making trail cameras. At least oh. this is the first year I've seen them. And I, so I've got one of their, I, personally, I don't really like it's a lot of the $200 trail cameras. The features and benefits they offer for whitetail, I get it. For bear baiting, most of the time, sub under 30 yards um, and, and, and less, I don't need I don't need a $200 camera for a right. Bear, right? So I've got some of the old uh, Primo's proof cams. Mm. I used to love those things. Oh, yeah. They're not necessarily the best picture quality, but reliability. $65 and special. E and easy yeah. to set mm -hmm. up. So I've got a couple of those. Um, I've got two Campark minis 
Okay. Uh, Cam Park has become more well-known recently. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, I'm pretty sure they're just a Chinese brand. I think they might be processed by an American company, but um, okay. yeah, I don't know. I've, I've looked into them, but I have no, I don't know where they're made. From from what yeah. I've seen, I think they are. There's there's just too much weirdness in them. There's not like <laughs> there's this model, this model, and this model. There's three models that look the same that say they have different features and mm-hmm. weird names and stuff. So I'm not completely sure, but I picked these up used a couple of years ago, and and I used them. They had great quality. They're super light and small, and most of the cameras I have this year are like that. I, personally, I don't see the need for a big heavy trail camera mm-hmm. at least at this point. Then again, with the bare bait, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, right. So you're planning on setting up two cameras per bait then? Two two to three. Right now I have enough for, for two per bait. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll probably be getting some more for you to test yeah, too. Yeah. Just, uh, I, I put a thing up on the on the Instagram asking people what style okay, they okay. wanted to try. So we'll see if that brings in any uh, any answers. But what yeah. do you usually what do you use run Dalton the Brownings? Yeah, I well I've got a I've got an assortment myself. I have one of the higher end primos cameras mm. one of the higher end proof cams or yeah i i don't remember what model it is i i've had it for okay. like three or four years now it seems to do real well i think if i remember right it's it's over 100 bucks like 130 dollars mm-hmm. and it takes great pictures the battery lasts forever mm-hmm. on that camera there's a lot of different settings on it though like trigger speed yeah uh delay and uh, different video mixed with photos or just photos and mm-hmm. bursts and single photo and all those other all those other kind of little settings that you have on these little slider bar selectors on that camera. That's the one part about that I don't like. Really? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. I I don't care as much about it. It's not the delay I, it, trigger speed. Yep. Mm. And how how quickly it takes the photo. So I personally do like having the option because you're going to have so many different settings that would come from a factory, right? I like having the option to set it, but once I set it, I can forget it. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I feel about trigger speed because it does matter because if you have a really fast trigger speed and you only get the nose of the bear. I I was just going to say it it almost works the opposite with bear baiting because if it takes the picture... Too immediately fast. you're yeah. just going to get the head as he starts triggering that, that motion detector. right 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 if it, there's a little bit of a delay then he'll come into the full frame picture Correct. right right so i i've a couple of years ago i used a mossy oak camera i was unimpressed yeah it's big it's heavy the batteries mm-hmm. didn't last all mm-hmm. that long i had one camera at one bait and it took terrible photos really yeah i had three bears that were all big shooter class bears uh and th- there were obvious enough distinctions uh, um, among these three different bears that had i had a better camera i would have been able to see this better mm-hmm. but there they were obvious enough that i could determine that there were three different mm-hmm. big bears on this bait just yeah. even with these lower quality photos and i ended up shooting one of them with my bow but a, that 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 camera really didn't impress me. Mm-hmm. The battery life was not very good. It wasn't very well set up. The retainer clip to open it up mm-hmm. to right. access the control panel and the SD card was extremely stiff mm-hmm. and loud to operate. And it was so stiff that to open it and then to latch it shut again, it invariably moved the camera every single time. Yeah, and I really yeah. didn't like that. It wasn't very well made. I, I love the, so. No, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. One thing, big deal for me is simplicity. Yes, and mm. easy to use. There's there's some camera brands that have. Like Camp Park's one of them. 
that have like supposed to be wireless without cell service wireless the, to connect to the Bluetooth, like Bluetooth yeah. and Wi Fi yeah. to to access your photos. I have not seen one that works very well at all. Yeah. They usually are very slow uh, and clunky. I'm gonna be testing one this okay. year. Okay, okay. Now, now, now I'm gonna be using it in, in a specific setting um, because mine is gonna be. I believe they say that the Bluetooth range on it is like 30 feet or something like right. that. It's it's pretty it's pretty short range. Uh-huh. Um, right. And my plan is to put one you know, five yards in front of my tree stand, basically. Right. And then if I want to go grab the SD card from my other camera that I have placed somewhere else and go up in my tree stand and I'm starting to look at pictures, I can then access the one okay. from my tree stand without ever having to Are touch it Are you getting one of the cam parks? I am, Okay, yeah. so. But, but that's, you wouldn't be able to set it up very far away from your stand. And if you're rifle hunting and like we had talked mm-hmm. about, maybe you have a little bit of distance from your barrel you might not get the best quality pictures out of it. With the trigger distance on those things, you might be able to see if there's a bear, but at that distance away from the barrel, you might not be able to judge the bear. So this is what, and I'm not sure what kind of distance this has on it, but the Bluetooth itself on the cam parks Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily for viewing photos. Mm. So this is how they work. Let let, let me me explain. I mean, I'm the tech guy here. <laughs> um, anyhow, so this I mean, is how they what their website. This is how they for, work. But. So the Bluetooth does allow you to view the photos one photo at a time. You have to download each individually. It's very slow. Mm-hmm. It, it's extremely slow. What they also have is Wi-Fi capability to where it creates yeah. its own Wi-Fi. It's not internet. It just gives you the pipeline that Wi-Fi is to connect to. So what you can do is without touching your camera, you can get on your phone. You can connect to the Bluetooth. You can go into your app that works with Cam Park, and you can go turn on the Wi-Fi. Boom, it'll kick the Wi-Fi signal on, you connect to it with your phone, then you go back to that app, and you have a lot faster access. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I've seen, it's still pretty clunky. You've got little thumbnails, you can click on them, and it takes a minute for them to load up, but it's still a lot quicker than a Bluetooth will ever be. Oh, yeah. You know, Bluetooth is great for some, a streaming music. Mm-hmm. There's a reason we don't really use it for anything else. It's right, true. it's a good yeah. short range technology for those things. But like, if you try to transfer a video to somebody else's phone via Bluetooth connection, it can take twenty minutes. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, anyhow, that's just well, that's why AirDrop is so fast. So I don't have any of those cameras because I have looked at some of how that works. Mm-hmm. I'm not really concerned about that right now. More, I'm looking at construction and design and ease of access. Right. One of the mul- the Moultrie that I have, the forty two, I believe it is, has a side opening. Deal. So where you, you so it's got it's it, it's it's got a clip on the side like most of them do, but it's a full width clip, and you pull it off, and there's a little seal in there, and there's your SD card. Okay. Yep. You can yep. pop the clip, pop your SD card, close the clip, done. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you oh pop the clip and then pull the camera the rest of the way open, your battery bank is in the yeah, back, and yeah. it's got the full clamshell. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I, I'm re- really starting, you know, and some of them, a lot of them, for a while, I've had like the bottom half opens up, mm-hmm, yeah. and then like your battery slide in the bottom. The money right. one is like that that I have. That's the stealth cams are that way too. So is my Browning. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. now I have not heard anything good about stealth cams. <laughs> no. uh, and I, I walk into a Sportsman's Warehouse, and uh, they're the only ones left I keep on the looking shelf. There, and there's <laughs> thirty or forty stealth cams <laughs> yeah. there, and maybe one or two of everything else. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Well, and, and like most people, I think I probably started with, or I, I think most people probably started the same way I did with stealth cams. And they, they had the just, name early on. They're just not great. They were kind you of know, the they, first, I believe, from what I understand, they were the first to have a good like battery power. You know, it was like 8D batteries. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad had some of them. I, I will say the battery life on them 
was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I never had to worry about my battery life. Uh, I had it set to video too. I was mm, taking okay. 10 second videos okay. and they lasted all season. And then I even took one, um, my, my wife now, she wasn't my wife at the time, but she had some, some security issues around her house. And so I even took one and just set it up outside mm-hmm. the house just to, to see uh, what was, what was going on there. And it lasted all summer, fall, after snowfall, mm-hmm. when I finally went and pulled it down. And I mean, th- so the battery life was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But the video quality and picture quality was pretty was, bad, was pretty bad um, especially in the night vision mode. Yeah. And then the other thing with them is uh, their trigger distance. And they're, sometimes they didn't even trigger at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my very yeah. first bait, I set four cameras up because I just, I was curious, right? I wanted to see what was going on. I had two at the barrel that were to judge bears and see which way they were coming in, which way they were coming out. And then I had ones facing each way up the trail um, because I was set up on a game trail. Mm -hmm. And so I had one facing each direction to see which way the bears were coming in from. And I was coming in from one way. There would be times when I would see a video of me leaving the bait and the very next video was me leaving the bait again in different clothes. Mm. On the way in, it never triggered. And I walked yeah. right past it. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge thing too, is making sure you have a reliable trigger, not just your trigger speed and right. everything else, but making yeah, sure yeah. it actually goes off. Yeah, right. Because otherwise you could be missing so, tons of opportunity. Yeah. I was going to mention the last camera that I have used, mm-hmm. and this is the one that I, I was saving it for last, mm-hmm. is the Browning camera. Now, I couldn't even tell you what model it was. I, I would have to see it to look at it. I look and, at Browning and, cameras and, that I don't check like it out. in most trail camera companies for this matter is they have way too many options. So <laughs> not the one I've got. Not the one I've got. And that's why I like it. Now I mentioned earlier that I... No, I mean, I, there's too many options in cameras. Oh, you, you mean in model choices. You go yeah, to their yeah, website yeah. and there's like five or six different series well, of cameras and five each series <laughs> and it's like... Okay, well, th- this was this was probably... Four or five years ago, I've okay. still got the same one. I walked into Sportsman's Warehouse. One of my bears had eaten one of my $65 Primo's cameras, <laughs> Yeah, which is a pretty rare occurrence for me. I, I'm very good about not getting sent. Right. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. wear gloves for everything at a bear bait. And then when I touch my cameras, it's just my hands. Yep. And my hands just smell like the inside of, of, of a... Of a a leather glove. And anybody that's bear baited for more than one year knows yeah. that bears will eat your camera. Yes. <laughs> if you walk over with grease on your boots from the bear bait and you touch that camera with your nasty hands that mm-hmm. smell like scent and grease, kiss that camera goodbye. Yeah. And that's why we like the idea of the wireless. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So the, the browning one that I've got is, it, it's just over a hundred bucks or so, I, I believe. It's small. Mm-hmm. It's... uh. It's, it doesn't have too many different settings on it to be complicated, especially for a guy like me. I like to just yeah. be able to set it. I, I believe it's on trail setting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just photos. I think it takes three photos every so often. I think every five minutes, it'll take three photos if they're still that's activity. That's pretty ideal. And so it doesn't, you don't have a bear that comes in and sits there for six hours and you get 300 pictures of the same bear. I don't need that. Right. You know, (laughs) so this one does a really good job in it. And the trigger speed is such that it doesn't go off 
as soon as a bear clears into the kind frame. Kind of gives it a right. second or so. I yeah. don't get a photo until that bear is like standing with his head in the barrel mm-hmm. or laying on the ground, pawing yeah. food yeah. into himself, yeah. right? I love that camera. Right. The other thing I was going to mention, and you talked about how your camera that you set up in your wife's driveway um, was not taking very good nighttime photos. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Mariah this a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were chatting about cameras and differences. One of the stealth cams that um, a, a person that Mo and I both know has run for a few years, the, the difference in when a camera switches to black and white yeah. night mode how long that takes for that to happen mm. will vary within the quality of each camera. Oh, of course. So yeah. I I'm not haven't done this research for sure. I'm going to look it up because I'm really curious to know. I'm going to try to figure this out. But I think what honestly is a lot of the cameras are actually set to go into night mode, not necessarily by how dark it is out, but by time. Mm. So the cheaper ones may be set by time mm. versus the other ones not. So that might be why it hits eight o'clock and boom, you've got black and white oh, photos. So but it's still, yeah, Fairbank, yeah. But it's still Alaska, daylight out. Right. You right. know, there's like two hours you I, might I, need I was, I was just going to say that the stealth cam that this guy was running would switch to black and white by 1030. No yeah. kidding. And it was like daylight out yeah. at 1030. The sun was still right. so then, hovering then you that, up in the sky. That white out effect. On right. It. Yeah. And so then you don't get very good detail. If there's any unique coloration, it's really mm-hmm. hard to spot that. Yeah. Uh-huh. It gets harder to judge boar versus sow because mm-hmm. the facial features and details that you're looking Washed. for just right. get blobbed up. Mm-hmm. And that browning one stays color photo way longer mm-hmm. than most of the other ones that I've used. Yeah. And I really like that camera. And even when it goes dark by like midnight, you mm-hmm. know, when it's that twilight color, or even sometimes it'll be one o'clock in the morning before it switches if there's a bear on the bait. Right. And then by 3.30 or 4 a.m., it's back to color photos. Mm-hmm. It does a really good job with sensitivity to light and taking mm-hmm. color photos whenever possible. Well, it probably has its own internal photo cell yeah. that's telling I, it to I, do that I, switch. I'm, I'm not 100% yeah. sure, yeah. but whatever it does, I like it. And that's, yep. of all the cameras that I've used, that one, as far as the layout of it, how simple it is to use, the batteries last forever mm-hmm. on that camera as well. So another thing I was going to say about battery life with cameras is you need to put good batteries in there. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. use your cheap double A's. If, if your camera takes double A's, most of them do. Mm-hmm. Don't use the cheap, uh, you know, cheap little Energizer pack from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> I actually use expensive batteries well, yeah. actually, in my cameras. Energizer, the more expensive Energizer, especially the lithiums, is yeah. actually some of the better batteries you could go with. I would say, I, I, okay. use, I use the yeah, Duracells yeah. in most of mine, but yeah. Yeah, as far as lithium goes, yeah, I've used the Energizer lithiums before. Yeah. I've used a couple different lithium Even double the, A's. Those well, work really, really well. Regular and, Energizers are pretty good. And if, you know, if you're using a trail camera to kind of check out a moose spot and you leave a camera out a lot over the oh, summer, yeah. Or in different mm-hmm. trails to kind of see, you know, or, or if you're pre-scouting for a trap line type of area in the, mm-hmm. in the wintertime and you just want to see what comes through on some trails in the cold, that'll kill some trail cameras if you don't have good batteries yeah. in them. Oh, yeah. And the difference in cold weather performance with trail cameras uh, with good batteries versus run-of-the-mill uh, cheap batteries is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And that'll even affect, even if the camera does, I'll use air quotes, work. 
in the cold with yeah. cheap batteries, sometimes it'll take intermittent photos. Yeah. And if it if it gets 30 below, it won't take any photos. And then once it warms back up around zero, it'll take photos and you'll have some inconsistencies with when it'll take photos. That is one thing I like about the Duracells is because I've had them, I've, I've run cameras all winter, winter long before and, and they, they take reliable photos. Yeah. So uh, they, they don't seem to glitch out in the cold the way that other batteries do. So I can give a quick review since we're here on the Camp Park Minis and the proof cameras. If you're looking for cameras to buy, especially yeah. if you're looking for a budget, the Camp Park Minis, I think you can buy them for like 50 bucks a piece. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? They're, yeah. I've, I've never even seen the Cam Parks. Really in, decent in quality photos, especially for the price. Mm -hmm. I ran one. They take, I think they actually even take a full size SD card to match in that. Wow. Mm, I, wow. That's, that, I really don't like the mini SD cards. <laughs> and I think a lot of camera companies are realizing guys don't like that. But especially when you're in the woods. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the Cam Park Mini, I ran one on my property before I moved into the house I built um, for, I ran one for, for a year. Mm hmm without even touching it. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't quite a year, but it was definitely all winter. The fall, all winter, and then, you know, sometime in the spring, once the snow was gone, I thought to go look at it. So good. Yeah. Eight, nine months. Right. Yeah. And actually, I had two of them, and they both took pictures the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody with their dog walking across my property. Oh, my goodness. Had some moose, had a fox, <laughs> you know, had a uh, had a coyote. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, no, the little tiny, and I think it's only four double A's in that one. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. if I remember yeah. right. Most of mine, I think, take like eight. Most of them take eight, but yeah. I believe that one was four, and I might be wrong. I might wow. be wrong on that, but okay. maybe it was six or something. But well, And another thing to talk about, too, while we're on the topic, you you mentioned the SD cards, is, yeah. is which you got to check which uh, brands or check with your brands to uh -huh. make sure they're compatible with a good enough SD card because a lot of them have restrictions for some reason. A lot of them are up so to 32 gigabyte. A lot of them these days are up to 32 gig. I've even seen some that are up to 128, but some are still sitting wow. around that, that 16 gig mm -hmm. mark for some reason. But with that, I do want to point out, you don't use as much as you think you're going no, to. No, I usually don't run more than an eight and I've never filled one of those. Right. Up. I used a 32 the other year and i had on one of my cameras again running video yep um it was a hot bait i had i want to say it was like 400 and something videos wow. when i when i pulled the card right um and and i swap cards fairly often mm -hmm. you know i don't always put the same card back in because i like to take it with me and and keep the photos but i don't think even with 400 something 10 second videos i don't even think i was over 10 gigs yeah you don't use a lot. um that's and, like four thousand seconds <laughs> It took a while to dig through them, but you know, when it's bare videos, you don't mind. <laughs> so so I, I was going to make two points about SD cards. Yeah. Since you brought that up. I'm All right. really glad you did. I, I've got some points about SD cards too. Number so. one, I, I normally I run 16s just because that's what's the most commonly available. Yep. It, it, 16s, it, yeah. they, they work, right? Mm -hmm. I've also had other people that hunt with me go into my baits without me to go in and check. Mm-hmm. Especially, oh. especially while I'm out of town guiding. I know where you're going with this. And I had one individual go in, and I don't, you know, I don't remember who it was. <laughs> it was it you, possibly that James? formatted it wrong. No, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, probably not you. Then. It wasn't me. I don't remember who it was, but somebody. No, the, now I know who it I'm was. The game camera yeah, guy I, here. So I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to name who it was. I just remembered who it was. Anyway, who was it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Someone went into my bait to check it. I was out of town guiding and, and uh, they had, you know, my written permission to be at my bear bait. Right, I had yeah. their hunting license number written on the tag at the bear bait. Mm -hmm. They were yeah. authorized to be there and hunt, right? Which you will learn about when you do your bear baiting clinic. 
Correct. Yeah. So they went in there and pulled the SD card in my camera, in my Browning camera, actually. Mm. And this was the week before I was supposed to get home from guiding. I get home. I run out to the bait. I think it was the following afternoon because the bait was covered up in bears. I get into the bait with a with 100 pounds of dog food on my back and a jug of grease in one hand, a rifle over my shoulder, and my bow in the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I went in early knowing that there were probably not going to be any bears there. Uh, this person had been sending me a bunch of photos while I was out and about and coming back into town, and I knew about what time these bears were going to be coming in, right? So I get back to town. It, it, I mean, it might have been a couple days. And uh, I, I got in there. And I went to pull the SD card. By the way, all the bait was gone. I dumped all the fresh bait, sent it up, grabbed the SD card, climb up in the tree stand, get out my SD card reader, plug it into my phone, and it says no photos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Didn't turn the camera on? No, the camera was on. But you know what they did? They're on the side of most of these SD cards. There's a little uh, lock, lock tab. switch. Yeah. There's a little yeah. lock switch. Yeah. And keeps it from getting edited. Whoever yeah. had, and this individual, and they, you know, they were well-intentioned. They were, <laughs> they didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. And most people don't even know what that little lock switch is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when, a, when an SD card is brand new, oftentimes there's a little lock symbol, a, a little lock silhouette on one end of this tab or another. And that shows you, is the SD card unlocked or is it mm-hmm. locked? And they had put it back in there and locked it accidentally right. in the process of handling it. And so I had a cleaned out bait that had been sitting for a week yeah. and that had been freshly baited up when they left it. Mm-hmm. And then I get back a week later and I go in there to sit it. And now I have no nice. clue what was going on. Well, and guess, you got bears back to old fashioned way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was back to, well, I wonder what's going to show yeah. up tonight. And you know, I, I think I saw a bear that night, whatever. I didn't shoot it, but mm-hmm. I was, I came back into town and, and was a little bit irritated about it. So, <laughs> so really I got nothing to look at on SD cards. Yes. From the tech guy. Go for it. That's actually a really good point. I've never done that, but no, I know to look at that. So <laughs> yes, um, yeah, pay attention to that. So there are types of SD cards. I don't mean brands. I, actually, I will touch on brands. You can get on Amazon and buy a no-name brand you've never heard of. Okay, SD card that'll say one terabyte. For one, there <laughs> aren't any cameras that are going to run that. Or you'll buy fifty that say they're thirty-two gigabytes, and the and you plug it into a computer and it says that, but in truth, it's not. They're they're fake. And there's a lot of stuff like that when it comes to SD cards mm-hmm. and flash drives. Yeah. So uh, buy a, a known brand, SanDisk, or hey, if it's an Amazon brand, Amazon Basics. I think I have a few fine. Stealth Cam SD cards. Yeah, so that they, would be fine they make too. Their own too. Although, and those those work fine. Although it's just a rebranded SanDisk or Amazon Basics. Sure, sure. But but it's um, it, but it's what Sportsman stocks. Yeah. So that that's fine if that's what you get for me i go to office max or something okay you know, i am for me i also have a stock of like 10 sd cards right but there's a couple things about them if you're running video especially if you're running a high-end camera with high quality video okay yeah and if you're a camera guy you'll know this but you can't just go buy a cheap sd card and put it in there and it work even uh, if it is a high storage mm-hmm. capacity because there are grades of sd card and it's like three through ten and if you're just doing pictures, you don't have nothing to worry about. Yeah. But it's the amount of t- time it takes for the camera to write that information to the SD card. And if it runs out, it'll just stop videoing yeah. short. Or, okay. you know, so, so and a lot of times that's what it'll have. Sometimes it won't work at all. Sometimes it will. 
that's just something to think about. It it's not that expensive anymore. It used to be a lot more expensive oh, to buy yeah. a grade ten SD card, but it's not that expensive anymore. Yeah. But I just personally, when I go to buy SD cards, I just look and see what it is. Um, you know, and like I said, brands of Sandisk, PNY, Amazon Basics. There's a bunch of them. If you recognize it as a reputable brand, mm-hmm. you should be good. And buy the buy the class tens. That's just the best way to go. Yeah. Now you may know more about this than I do. I've just heard mm-hmm. the horror stories. But supposedly there's formatting that goes into these discs there as is. well. And so I've heard the horror stories when guys are sharing baits or or having somebody else go right. check it for them. Uh-huh. Where let's say you've been using one style of card reader to go check your cameras. Yeah. And then somebody takes out their big old, you know, looks yep. like one of those yep. old uh game boys po- pocket game boys yeah, yeah stealth whatever. still sells those um as their card reader and it reformats the card as they're reading the pictures and then when they stick it back in the camera mm-hmm. and you go back in with your form of card reader now the card is formatted for say stealth cam we'll just right. use that name because it's uh. and you can't actually see the so, pictures because it's the wrong format uh, let me that, talk. i don't know the details okay. there i'm sure you do but I do. yeah and, and, and I'll, I'll try not to get too technical but try to keep it simple but so so formatting in any kind of uh digital storage device is it, it's a file system and so different like you've got a macbook computer you've got your android phone you've got your iphone you've got your regular old pc right mm-hmm. they a lot of times they all use different file systems and same goes for cameras cameras can use different file systems mm-hmm. now most cameras not all, but most, you can pop any SD card into there. And as long as it's not formatted to a, uh, to like a MacBook file system or, or a Linux or something weird, if it's formatted to whatever it came with, mm-hmm. you can plug it in and walk away and it'll take pictures. Yeah. A smart thing to do is to plug your SD card in, go into the camera and hit format. Now, when you format, it will erase all mm. data on the card. So if you're using it from last year, save it. But if you go format it the first time, you should be good as long as somebody doesn't plug it into their old thing and hit the format. But we must format it to read it. But if you've hit it format to read it, they're gonna, it's going to delete all the data as well. So the big, actually, a, a lot, something a lot more likely to happen would be if you have a camera that's a lot more picky mm-hmm. about whether or not the card's formatted and you have a card from one camera and you pop it in another one and then it doesn't, can't put data on it because mm. it hasn't been formatted because you've got cameras that are using two different file systems. Gotcha. Your dad has had SD card issues yeah. swapping because when he goes into a bait, he'll grab the SD card out of the camera and put it in and he'll one put in. a fresh like one in that's blank. Because you never have to touch the camera again. Right. But he uses different brands of cameras sometimes. And yeah. then he has issues with cameras mm. taking photos or not. I wonder if that might not that be That is exactly what, why it is. Yeah. So, okay. So, and like I said, just, it's a good thing to look at beforehand. Yeah. A lot of, most cameras don't care but some of them so do. So then if you've got a little pocket case that you carry in with you of SD cards, mark them. Yep. One, yeah. or, you know, X As or O for, yep. for different cameras right. so that you mm-hmm. don't cross your SD or just, cards between I'll, cameras. Most of the time you can cross it between brands of camera. If you run all, it, like if you're browning, not like me. Browning to Browning, Stealth Cam to Stealth if you're, Cam. If you're not thing, like yeah. me trying to test cameras out, most yeah. people are going to have one or two brands of cameras. I, I've pretty much decided to just run Brownings this because year. I've, I, I've you, already right? got one. I'm probably going to get a couple more. Yeah. I think this year, for the most part, I'm just going to run one camera per bait. Mm-hmm. I've done the whole two and three camera thing. 
Um, as long as I don't have bears, like I mentioned earlier, that are getting around my stands a lot right. and kind of acting strange, I probably will just run one camera per bait this mm. year. And I, I, I guess on camera placement and angle and how far away to put the camera from the bait, we should probably touch on that a little bit here. That's Yeah, that's what we're going to yeah. get to. Um, I've actually so, got my SD card case right here. Oh, okay. I just remembered yeah. I had it in, in, in the box over here. I'm over here digging through the box of stuff. So I have one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. six cards, five cards, seven cards. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. Six cards. Yeah. But actually, so because some cameras take micro SD cards, which as we mentioned, I don't like that. Um, I'll buy the ones with the adapter that it slips yeah, into the bigger card. Right, yeah. So, you know, most of the SD card readers will have both on them. But mm -hmm. now on, on that note, you're going to want to make sure that if you buy an SD card reader that plugs into your phone, make sure it works before you go to the bait. Yeah. Or make so sure the, your the, phone port is clean. The yeah. one, <laughs> the one that I've got just plugs directly. I've got an iPhone and uh, it just plugs directly into my iPhone. And, but there's an app. Mm -hmm. that you have to download that yeah. that card reader communicates with. Double check that that's working mm -hmm. and that you download everything you need to download before you go out in the field. So yeah. power up your camera, turn it on, take a picture of yourself or whatever at home and uh, make sure, and then take that SD card out, plug it into your phone and make sure that you can see that photo. Yeah. And that way, if you have any issues with your software on your phone, whatever it is that you need to change or get a different right. app, or that card reader just doesn't just doesn't work for some reason. You figure that out before you're at a cell service. Yeah, you know. Well, go ahead. I say um, with the phone with the app thing. So some SD. So for me, I don't buy the SD card readers that say they need an app. Um, I don't have an iPhone, but you can do this with I think any any smartphone on the market. I'll go on Amazon and just pick out the SD card reader that I like cuz cuz a lot of the short stubby ones mm -hmm. that just have a plug on each end, you know, one's regular USB, one's, you know, iPhone and you plug it into your iPhone and you got to take your case off to get it in. Yeah. Right. I'll Mine's buy that one that has a whip on it. Mm -hmm. So I can just plug it in like my charging cord. It's a little long whip and at the end of that it's an SD card reader. Sometimes they come with a few other cards which you know whatever great. Um and that way, I don't have to worry about that. Now, there's no app that it comes with. You don't need an just app. You just put it in your the photo. The app right, might make it right. easier. Uh, the app might make it easier to access, but you can just plug that in. And for me, I just go into the documents or file system on my phone, and I just go click on that SD card. Mm, gotcha. And right. then right. I can just view everything there. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just go click, click, download all photos, throw, pop the SD cards back in my case and everything, put it all away, and then just look at my phone. I can so delete stuff I don't want. What I will do on, on just on that note, when I get in there and I grab my SD card, I'll get up in the stand and I, I don't leave an SD card in there while I'm in the stand. Mm. I, I know some guys like to do that. You know, they'll set it on video while they're in the stand so that, you know, maybe they can get their shot on right. camera. You know, that, that's what some guys like to do. And Sorta. that's, that's fine. Mm. You know, it is what it is. Personal preference. Right. I don't choose to do that. I, I never have. I don't plan on it. Um, what I do, I'll get up in the stand, I'll plug in my SD card reader to my phone, put the SD card in there, and then I, I have the iBrary app. Mm -hmm. That's the one that my card reader um, uses for my phone. And inside that app, I don't have to download the photos to my phone. Right. I can view it just in that app. I don't have to either. It's just right. a choice. Right. Like what I but, like to do. And I used to just download all photos, mm -hmm. right? And that takes, I don't know. <laughs> Two minutes, whatever. If you have we'll 300 pictures, 
Right. So make sure you have the storage space to do that right. so you don't clog up your phone out there and then it freezes on you. I've had that happen before. Uh, make sure you got enough storage for it. But then also what just, just what I do, I scroll through the photos in my iBrary app. Mm-hmm. I'll click through all of them, see what bears are coming in, coming out, get some time ideas of it. I'll save a few photos, mm-hmm. maybe 10 to a dozen. The good ones that right. show features somewhere and help your ID the bears. Right, somewhere yeah. in there. And then I'll just select all photos and clear them all. Mm-hmm. I just delete the SD card right. clean. And then when I get out of the stand to leave for the night or <laughs> the next morning, depending on how poor it went, um, I'll put that SD card right back in there, turn the camera back on, shut it, and then I'll stand there for the duration that it takes the camera to turn back on Mm -hmm. i'll stand there and wave at it and get a few pictures of myself that way i've got a bookend right when i left and then when i get back in yep i want a picture of me at the beginning and the end and that way when i get in there next time i don't have to scroll through the previous 500 photos Mm -hmm. from two weeks ago when i was already there i can just start at the beginning okay there's me leaving and then there's bears 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 and now Mm -hmm. it's five days later and now here i am again okay that's all i've got yep that's the way I like to do it. Yeah. And that way you don't have to sift through hundreds and right. sometimes thousands of oh, photos. Yeah. So yeah. one big advantage I like of swapping an SD card at a camera. Yeah. And like I was saying, if you have all the same brand camera, you right. don't have to worry about it. Right. Um, but just 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 double check it, you know, make sure it works. Uh set up a camera. When you when I buy a camera, I set it up at home. Mm-hmm. So it just takes some pictures, even if it's me driving out of the driveway, just to make sure it's working like I want to figure out the thing. settings. Yeah. One more thing I was gonna add is make sure your day and time is set right. Yes. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You will be doing way too much math if your day and time <laughs> yes. is off. Yes, I've <laughs> terrible. Oh I've, yeah. Such it, a pain. Yeah. It um, takes two minutes to set up. It's not yeah. <laughs> um but with the with the what I really really like about walking into a bait first thing I do is walk up to my camera, swap SD cards or cameras. Mm. Then I dump my bait and climb into the stand. That way my hands have not been on bait. Yeah. Or messing with dog food or grease or anything. Yeah. Sure, they've been on the outside of the containers, right. but then there's nothing to worry about with that. Yeah. And it's it's a lot less risk of you know if you drip a drop of blueberry. Or for you, cupcake, cupcake addiction on your finger. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I wear leather gloves. Right. Yeah, that's. I, I was gonna say the first. I, I'm right there with you. The very first thing I do I like is to go straight to my camera. I just swap it. I don't have to touch it again. And yeah, I'll have a few extra pictures of me coming a, in and out. A, a great way to do that to not have contact with any kind of bait stuff, and then your camera, even if it soaks through your gloves a little bit, mm-hmm. if you go in there with a buddy. Yeah, then, one guy baits up, one guy grabs and, the cards. And, you know, I'm very strategic about this. And James, you know this. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last year when we were running that bait together, um, you need to have a system laid out so mm-hmm. that when you get in there, okay, I'm going to dump dog food, dump grease, perfume the place up with nasty boar and right. cupcake addiction and some new uh, smears and pastes and, and, uh, and tars and all that kind of mm-hmm. good stuff. And you're going to pull the SD card out of the camera. Yep. That's it. All you're going to do. And then you're going to start climbing the tree and hauling our backpacks up and mm-hmm. hanging things up in the tree. And then I'll come up after you once I've wrapped, once I've wrapped the pack frame up and hung that on the step over there, mm-hmm. right? You need to have a system set up so you can go in, be quiet, do your thing, get yeah. the stand, and you're done. If you're good at it and if you have that down, you can be in, 
dump your bait, grab your camera, and you're in your stand within five minutes. Right. right? That's how you should be. Streamlined, uh, yep. seamless, I, uh, and you both have your head on a swivel. You're both watching. Mm-hmm. You're not talking amongst yourself so that if you do talk, you know something's up. All you well, got to do is say your partner's name. James, mm-hmm. you know there's a bear standing there somewhere. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and that was one thing I really liked about going in and baiting with you was it, it was as soon as we got into the red zone. Yep. It was business. Yep. And and that was just all it was. And we walked in, knew exactly what to do, yep. had a game plan, and it, I am, it was flawless. I am yeah. very structured when it comes to that. Yeah. Very, Same. very structured. Right. Uh, well, I did that with my wife last year. I was going to have her grab the SD cards, but the problem was I had set up the cameras, and I always set them as high <laughs> as I can. <laughs> my wife's a foot shorter than I am. So. <laughs> just a foot? I thought she was shorter yeah. than that. She's like exactly a foot. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. I when guess you it set is, up yeah. a camera as high as you can, and so then let's. I was going to say let, let's talk about camera positioning. Yeah. Let's go ahead. When you're positioning a camera, a really nice option on that camera is having a screen that shows you what the camera's looking at. Mm-hmm. A lot of these cheaper options don't have that at all. I don't have any of that. Um, the Campark Mini that costs fifty dollars has a screen on it. Not only can you do that, you can flip through it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just checking a bait in the middle of the day. And you don't want to pull the SD card and plug it into your phone. How big is that screen? Like two inches. Two inches. But it's enough. It's it's enough to click through and you can tell if you have bears or not. So you can see you've got bears. Okay, let me pull this SD card and deal with it. If I don't have bears, I can close the camera, not even turn it off. Swap it back into photo mode. Dump my bait. Mm -hmm. Only issue with that is I've come into a couple different bear baits. Last year Mm -hmm. when, when James and I went in there and I killed that big bear with my bow. That bait did not look like it had been disturbed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we walked in there right. and thought, nope, nothing's been here. Mm-hmm. And then I walked up to it and I dumped a, I think we only had like a 20 pound bag of food because we had had a lot of food on it. And there, I think we brought a little bit of grease too, but yeah. other than that. Yeah, but we hadn't brought in too much bait Ooh. because we knew we had a lot of food on it. And that banana, that banana tar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that banana smear paste, mm-hmm. man, that stuff is potent. <laughs> and you wouldn't think that banana smear paste is very strong smelling, but oh, yeah. good grief, you can smell the diabetes mm. in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we got in there. And we didn't, at, at first glance, it hadn't moved my little, uh, my little stink bucket that I kind of leave on top of the bait pile mm-hmm. uh, just as an indicator mm-hmm. if something's been in there because they'll move that out of the way when they start getting into that barrel, right? Um, if I don't have a stink bucket there to do that with, I'll stick a, um, like a little log mm-hmm. branch from the barricade in the hole of the bucket. That way, if I walk in there, I can see, okay, something moved that. There's been a bear here, right? Yep. You know you're in the mode. We walked in there, and that stink bucket was still sitting right where I had left it. And the bait didn't look like it had been disturbed. But when right. I walked up to it, I noticed a little divot on the side of the dog food pile yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. in front of the barrel. And I thought, man, I, I guess it could have been squirrels or maybe a couple of ravens got in here, whatever. You know, it is what it is. And we pulled the camera, went up in there and sat because, you know, you put in all that effort to get out there. And then at least climb in the stand. Right. I'm at least going to sit up there and cool off a little bit from the, you know, from the walk in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get up in the stand and sure enough, on that, on that camera, there was a bear on there. So a a lot of times, you know, that mossy oak camera that I've got that I Mm -hmm. talked about that I didn't care for very much. Um, that one has a little display screen on it too, that right. you can scroll through the photos. I don't have, it's not great resolution. No, but and, all it gives you is the opportunity to look and see if there's a bear but if or there's, if it's just been a moose. If or there's, I don't even use it for that. No. I use it for setup. 
I use it for that. I use it for setup. Mm. And personally, I like it for that. When I go in, not necessarily, if I go in in the evening, I'm going to sit, even if there's not an animal on it, I'm going to sit down and pull SD cards just because I like sitting in the stand. It feels good. Maybe right. I'll even sit there for a little while and read a book. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an awesome place to be. Yeah. But when I go in, say, Saturday at noon to check the bait, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably not ever even going to climb into that stand. I've got other places to be that day. I can pop the thing, click through. If I see a bear, all right, I'm pulling this SD card, and I'm going to take it out with me and put a new one in. I'm not even going to sit in the stand still at that point. So what, what, what if you have 250 pictures on it? Are you going to scroll through all those? If you have 250 pictures, pretty guaranteed there's a bear. <laughs> I have a story about that. You I just set up. Click, I click, set up. It, the, with with <laughs> my setup, you, most of the time, okay, so, let's put it this way. If I have 250 pictures, pretty good indication there's a bear. I'll pull the, I'll pull the card. If I have 10 pictures and I click through and there's one picture of a bear, it makes it quick and easy. I never had to pull the cart. Hmm. I set up a brand new bear bait at an undisclosed location, obviously. <laughs> Anyhow, we, we can argue and, about it. But uh, that's, that's my I, I, pre preference. I didn't use a barrel. It was in a relatively open spot. Mm -hmm. I'll just say it. Old burn. Okay. Oh, man. And uh, so much information. <laughs> okay, well, I'm getting to why it doesn't matter and why I don't care. <laughs> I let that bait soak for 10 days before I even went and checked it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went back in there with a friend of mine. We got in there and uh, it was a ground blind spot. And I got into the clearing, could see up at the bait. All the bait was gone. Mm. All of it. When I set that bear bait up, James, I had 200 pounds of dog food <laughs> on that bait. No kidding. 200 pounds. So you were I, expecting something. I expected bears. Yeah. And in this spot, oh, it, and you know where it's at, mm -hmm. I expected to be covered up. And I wanted to give them some good time to find it and get accustomed to being in there. So I left them a bunch of food and I was just going to leave them alone for 10 days. Went back out. Place is mopped clean. Not a single piece of dog food anywhere to be found. Mm -hmm. There was dirt dug up, all mm -hmm. the little tundra moss on the, on the valley, on, on the valley, <laughs> on the ground floor was just ripped up. It was mm. just down to the dirt. And I thought, man. Looks like bears. Looks like bears to yeah. me. But the barricade was in complete 100% condition. Mm -hmm. And my stink bucket hadn't been touched. Moose? I thought, man, what in the world is going on here? I got like the daintiest bears in the world out here. <laughs> I pulled out my SD card, Mariah, and you know how many pictures I had? On that trip, I had an eight gigabyte SD okay, card. Filled the card? Full card. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thousands. Of pictures, <laughs> thousands, all of fluttering wings. I'm guessing. I pulled out the SD card, put it in my phone. I'm. Just, I I look at all the photos, and they're all like black blobs. And I thought, man, I'm just covered up in black Ravens. bears. I thought black bears, man. Ravens. Clicked on the Braves. first photo. Mm -hmm. Couple of ravens. All right, yeah. Well, you know, ravens, whatever. I remember you telling me about. Scrolled this through, hundred pictures, two hundred pictures. If I'm lying and dying, I had over 2,500 photos. <laughs> SD card was maxed out of ravens. So that's another reason to cover up your bait pile with some with some overhead trees yeah. or something, because birds hunt by sight. Yeah. So 
So with, hang hang on. He said that you wouldn't get that many photos yeah. unless it was bears. <laughs> I'm telling you, it ain't always true. That's a pretty good indication. It's something I like. Anyhow. So so we're, we'll, we'll touch on something real quick. Okay. I was going to save these for a little bit later, but this is a great, great opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. So one of the questions we got on the Instagram when I put out a question saying, hey, what questions do you have about bear baiting? Uh, one of them was by Western Heavy Outdoors. And I, I'm assuming this guy is, is he's posting hunting pictures and, and fishing pictures and things. So he's not a bot. Um, <laughs> Well, it, it, there's no name, so I don't I don't know your name, bro. But uh, you got some cool pictures on here, um, and uh, but he asked a question of how do you keep ravens and squirrels and things out of your bait from stealing your bait? Squirrels uh, well, ain't gonna there. happen. Nope, not gonna happen. But uh, and, and I mean, talking about having thousands of ravens, <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect time to talk I, about I, it. I figured, and in any one given photo in that particular event, I would have a dozen ravens on mm-hmm. that picture. Yeah. Now, there are definitely ways to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a nice little barricade built up around it with some brush over it where a bear would have to move it to get at it. Right. But the ravens could get under it. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Well, that that really, really made me upset. Really made me upset. Well, and that kind of falls back to what you were saying earlier in the show about how the, the barrel... Yes. provides that level of protection because yes. what i like to do to yes. avoid like you said with the squirrels it's kind of yeah it is what it is they're tiny it's, animals they're going to get around it yeah, it's, it's going to happen and they don't no. need a ton but no. the ravens like you pointed out will clean you out oh yeah um down they'll, to the last kernel they'll eat a crazy amount of bait and so what i tend to do and, and this is the standard i think this is what most bear baiters do is i will every time i go in there and i'm i'm heading out i'll take and build a barricade just like that every single time I'm in there. Um, I'll lay logs across mm-hmm. the top of the hole of the barrel. And I'm talking, a raven's never going to be able to move these logs. A bear, no problem, right? Bears right. will come in there, swipe left and right. They're gone. Go to town eating. But you just, kind of like you would said, set up under a canopy, make it so that it's harder for them to see it. But even if they do find it, you just got to make it hard. Um, stacking them on top seems to be pretty effective. And then on top of that, I'll normally take some smaller ones and stab it into the dog mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. in between each one. So even if the Ravens are able to kind of right. push them left to right, that those little, uh, ver- or vertical supports, I guess you could call them, will kind of hold everything in place. And yeah. again, a bear will get through no problem, but it's also a really good flagging system yeah. for knowing a bear's been there versus... Just right. getting, you got cleaned out by, yeah, that's what by you did crows. Before you had cameras, just logs and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah with, with birds, I've, you know, most of the time you're going to have a picture of a bird. Oh, yeah. Right. At least a couple. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of times you'll have gray jays, mm-hmm. um, or as I call them, camp robbers. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, you'll have, ra- you'll have a raven or a crow, but it's usually one or two. Yeah. And they're there for a day or so. Right. And they, they can make a dent, but it's not a big, huge deal. Um, and, and I think the reason why it's not normally a big issue and the reason why you've only had that happen once it yeah. has to do with the fact that uh, you don't put... Um, you don't put baits out in the wide open. You don't put like them out that. in the wide open necessarily. Mm-hmm. And if you do, try to keep the bait under some cover. We talked a lot about brush and mm-hmm. like your bait location have it being in a brushy area. Right. Which you can have bears and not be in a brushy area. It just A lot of it depends on the area and the bears in the area. Um, and hey, you're never going to know unless you try. But... Right. Um, 
try to get your bait, even if it's kind of a, an open area in a wooded, in that, and you're still in a wooded area, it's kind of more mm-hmm. open and kind of a wider clearing you're going to try to shoot across or something. Um, try to find some brush or like a birch tree ha- can have really good wide cover. Oh, yeah. Or even some big spruce trees. You know, yeah. we had a buddy that had a bait that had kind of two big spruce trees yeah. that you could put the bait between, mm-hmm. you know, and then he started running a barrel, but it was such big coverage. Right. It wasn't a ma- major issue. Talk about an area that didn't have a lot of brush and he had a lot of bears. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Lots but, of bears. Um. Anyhow, yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of, it's kind of cool how with baiting, like there's a lot of multiple factors to things that you do, like with setting up right. under a big tree that not only protects your bait from rain, getting soggy and moldy and right. everything like that. It also keeps it out of sight of mm-hmm. ravens. Yeah. I had one similar last year where I was set up in kind of the, the crook between three uh, big spruce trees. Yeah. And there was just a nice little clearing. I had to kind of kneel down or bend over to get underneath it, but bears were running right. out of there like crazy. And I think I probably had like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a half dozen ravens on there all season. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think between that's, keeping keeping a barricade in place. Right. Yeah. That's normal. They're going to yeah. show up no matter what. Yeah. But keeping a barricade in place every time you're present. Yeah. Again, the bears are going to rip it out of the way. And while you're gone in between that, yeah. the ravens kind of have an open... Right. open doorway to get that food but they'll eat some stuff that's outside the barrel but if you've got a barrel you're pretty safe from that yeah yep so yeah. but anyways um Camera man we placement? are really really adhd today yeah we are hey, <laughs> so. well we are but we've really we've covered a lot of topics really, yeah, really yeah. well I think we got a lot if of you've details got questions in. something i want to hit on and james you mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. uh we probably really should have brought it up at the beginning but there is it is required that you are certified to put a bear bait in Oh, right, um, yeah. Before you yes. can bear bait. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's also required that you permit the bait. And we right. don't have to dive into craziness on that, but you need a good directions to where it's at mm-hmm. for when you give a permit. They need to be accurate, right? And then you also need to go online. Before you do that, you need to go online. And it's real easy. It's a 20-question test mm-hmm. about right. There's There's like some paragraphs and some stuff you read through there's about bear baiting. There's some videos in there, yeah. Is there videos now? Because mm-hmm. when I took it, it was all... Yeah, there's videos There now. wasn't any videos. It was okay. just a just text and when i took it there was a 20 question test Mm -hmm. you take the 20 question test and if you got three wrong it told you what they were it told you why you got them wrong and and how to get them right and you could retake the test yep and once you retook it it will you know it's attached your hunting license online and everything and i'm sure you can go in and do it take it but it's real easy and free to do it online or maybe it was five bucks or whatever i don't remember but you could retake the test as many times as you needed right away some people say, well, that's them. Well, they just want you to get those specific things and know those things. What it is, is it's education for, right. for bear hunters. It's it, just it, it making you, sure that you read it. Right. One, one, it teaches you a little bit about how to bait, but it's mm-hmm. mostly about uh, kind of like what we talk about. Right. Figuring out what kind of bear you're looking at. Is it male or female? Is it mature or young? Things right. like that way you're not yeah, out there just exactly. shooting bears willy-nilly. But so, yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously exactly. we've covered rigs and seasons and stuff before, but that's one thing I don't think we've really mentioned a whole lot about right, is right. having a permit. You can only do two baits per person. Mm-hmm. Right. And you need to have your bear baiting, you know, you be certified bear baiter. Yes. Yeah. You're We're all re- certified bear baiters. <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> you're required to take, it's called the bear bait clinic. If you just look up ADFNG bear bait clinic, you'll find okay. it. So yeah, but, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> while you're on your hunt. Oh no, cameras. We got to finish cameras. We got to finish dude. cameras, oh, bro. Well, I guess let's circle back around <laughs> to cameras then. We got to finish where they're at. So, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. 
this, that was all great information to think about before buying your camera because you don't right. want to be the guy that just goes on Amazon right. and buys the four pack for 80 bucks like I was back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Hey, you might but, get lucky. Hey, they worked. <laughs> I'm not going to say they didn't work. Hey, the four but, pack of the Camp Park Minis, I'm going to say, can't go wrong. Right. If you're just trying to find something cheap, that's going to work. Mm-hmm. They worked great for me. But I like to place mine in two different locations. I'm a two, two camera kind of guy. Yeah. Um, my favorite positioning for uh, my cameras is I'll have one that's very close to the barrel. Okay. Now, you don't want to be too close. Otherwise, your field of view shrinks right, too right, close. Right. But the point of that one is I'll typically have at my barrel setup um, some kind of measuring system. Right. If I have my barrel set up upright, right. then that, you have those ribs going up the side of the barrel. That'll kind of give you a, a gauge on the, the size of the bear you're looking right. at, how tall it yeah. is at the shoulders and things like that. Yeah. Sometimes, I had one last year that was, I mean, heck, as tall as the barrel was at the mm-hmm. shoulders. But Nice um, bear. <laughs> very nice bear. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so having one up close like that really helps you get those defining features when they come into the bait. Yeah. The other thing I like to do is I have one that's farther away. And that's mm-hmm. when you really want to get into that higher class of, of trail cameras because you the tr- one thing to look at, we talked about it a little bit, is your trigger distance. Because some of those cheaper cameras, anything past 30, 40 feet, and it might not trigger. Yeah. You know, those brownings, right. the brownings have phenomenal trigger distance. I mean, they'll trigger off of something that's... The mole trees are really good about that, too. Yeah. And so I'll set one that's a little bit further back, not crazy far away, but far enough away that I can see which direction they're coming in from. I can see if there's multiple bears there. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a, a young one hanging out over here while the bigger ones are eating. Maybe they're running a certain direction when I walk in, and I, I can know that mm-hmm. if it becomes kind of a habit that they always go down this this chute through the thick. Um, but honestly, ever since that first year when I ran four cameras just for the heck of it, really, just to be curious and, and see what was going on, I've never run more than two. Really? Um, I just, it, it, it becomes, you know, it's maintenance. It's yeah. every time you yeah. go in, you have to go in and yeah. check each camera right. out. Yep. Every time you go in, you're you're spending more time because there's more cameras. You're and like you said, you try to go in, get everything freshened up, get in your stand as fast and as quiet and as efficient as possible. Yep. So, but I, I really think it's important to have at least two. Um, you can get away with one, but I like having that one up close. Um, typically, if I was a spitball a distance, I'd say no farther than eight yards from the barrel. Um, that'll give you a really good detail on mm-hmm. those bears. You can see if they have a scar on their face that you can yeah. identify them on. Yep. You can yep. see if they've got a little nick out of one ear from a fight and you can learn to, to ID these bears when they come in. Yeah. Um, also getting again with the, with sizing them, but having the ability to kind of zoom out mm-hmm. and see what's going on yeah. in the full right. picture kind of when you're not direction there. they're coming in and out of. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really important because a lot of it is you're just trying to, you got to outsmart the bears. And we'll talk about that in the next episode yeah, uh, on, on sure. what bait to use, what sense and how to, sure. how to hunt. But, you know, it's, it's super important to be able to see the big picture. And I just think if you're only zoomed in right on the barrel, you're going to miss a lot of action. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to miss a lot of opportunity. Absolutely. So, so uh, for my positioning with cameras, I've never been super picky on like one close, one far. Personally, if I can get a couple at kind of a decent distance, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot less likely they're going to see a weird thing hanging on a tree and take a smack at it or a bite yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, I like to stick them up high. Mm-hmm. I'll reach up as high as I can. You know, typically I just use the strap it came with. Yeah. Um, Which and, is good because a lot of people that, that hunt with them in the lower 48, 
you know, when you're actually using them like a trail cam on a trail, they're like three feet off the ground. Right. You can buy the dumb little stand, so on right. and so, which is pointless when <laughs> you're bear baiting. Right. right. Yeah. That it's is just a tree. It's lunch. just a popsicle at that point. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I saw the stand. They've got them in sportsman's there. I'm like, well, yeah, somebody's going to try it. Those will never sell. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Oh, well, they'll sell. Some, oh, I'm sure, but, but not not to our listeners, <laughs> right? Not now, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but I, I'll set them up size I can. Usually, got to put it if you do not have one with a um, with a screen in it. Mm-hmm. You set it up. This is before you've dumped your bait on the ground. You set it up, and you get it in position you think it's right. Typically, when you set it up high, you've got to stick a twig behind the top right. of it so it's angled down. Yes. Yeah. You then you walk to your bait and you look at it, and you got to make sure you're looking into that camera and it's pointing directly at you, like it's taking your mm-hmm. picture. Take and, a, and take ne- a test photo. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and kneel down because right, you exactly. don't want to be eye level with it when you're six and a half feet tall. Yeah. And right? then all you got is ba- the backs of bears. Yeah. Exactly. Of ears, you know? Yeah. Right. So. Uh, that's what I like to do. And like I said, I just like to get two different angles, you mm-hmm. know, one from the right, one from the left or one straight, like from the stand and then one over from the left or right, wherever, you know, cause a lot of times in a bait, one side, you got a little bit more open and trees available and the other side's real brushy and, and small stuff and there's nothing to hang a, t- a camera on. Right. Um, so, you know, my last bait, I had one, uh, over, over at, off the left side and then one, I think even one right on the, on the uh, stand tree. Just because it worked out. When you're close to the bait, you can throw one right on the stand tree. It was like 30 yards. Eh, it wasn't even 30 yards. It was probably 20. It was a little further than I've done most of the time. But Okay. Uh, and, and and they worked great. And that was those two Camp Park minis that I ran that year. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, the only reason I would run more than two cameras this year is just, just testing them out. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. For sure. Know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It, it can never hurt. It's just a little uh, bit of extra it, work it, sometimes. Right. I, I think it can hurt if you spend too much time fiddling with them. And, and if, you've, yeah, and, if you have SD there. card yeah. problems, that, well, and the other advantage to having yeah. two cameras, the two camera minimum is good, and it's not always the way it goes, but if if a bear does take a bite out of it, because there's no guarantee he's not going to, mm-hmm. you know, and you can buy camera boxes. Yes. If you have a camera, you, you can little, usually buy a box, mm-hmm. a steel box that you, 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 you screw to a tree or strap to a tree, and then you can throw a camera inside of it. Yeah. And, and it's got, you can throw a lock on it or whatever. For sure. And I've never run them just because they're like, you know, 40 bucks, and when I'm running yeah. $60 cameras... Yeah, I don't need a forty dollars box for them. I, I I would say if I could pick one camera orientation, sometimes those cameras will come with like a little tree screw uh-huh. bar attached. Have you ever used those? Yeah, I didn't use one last year, but I probably will this year. Mm-hmm. If I've got a bait that's in a real tight spot where I'm only fifteen yards mm-hmm. from the bait, which is most of my bear baits, right? <laughs> Because I, I'm also set up to run archery there too. And the closer you are, right. the better within mm-hmm. reason, obviously. Um, if you can have that little bar that'll screw into the tree and then you can set your camera on top of it, that is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. You can put it right up there right. next to your tree stand and you can angle it down mm-hmm. at the bait. You get a nice bird's eye view. You can see exactly where they come in from, exactly where they go out to. And obviously, once they establish a trail, you'll be able to notice that pretty easily right. once you're on the ground at the bait site. But initially, seeing where they come in and out of is pretty handy. Mm-hmm. And you get a nice um, wide angle view. Now, you don't get that up close, high resolution right. look. Uh, if I don't have a camera that has one of those attachment bars, I don't think the Brownings come with that. So, mm. one thing to say, though, is all those cameras 
I haven't seen one without it. They come with the standard attachment on the bottom for like a tripod yeah, screw. Yeah. So you yeah. can buy you can buy a tree stand camera mount and just throw that on yes. a tree. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that that if if I'm attaching it to a tree, for the most part, I'm putting it, I would probably say 15 yards, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. yards from the bait. Okay. That's for the most part what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm I'm pointing it straight at the bait with my tree stand right behind it. That way everything is oriented with the bait behind I, I'm sorry, with the tree stand behind the bait. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the photos as if I'm looking at it from the tree stand. Right. Right. I like that view. Mm-hmm. If I'm off to the side, then it's easy to kind of look through pictures and you look through your, uh, through your other camera photos and you can kind of get confused as to where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I I like having one in line between the tree stand, uh, sometimes on a tree right in front of my stand. Yeah. Uh, that way it's just pointing right at the bait. And like Mariah said, it's nice to get them up high. Mm-hmm. I like to get them up where I've got to reach up to get at it. Right. right? And uh, th- that that seems to work real well. And like I said, I haven't had a camera eaten, you know, knock on wood, none of that matters. I haven't had one um, eaten. I, I had, had one chewed on, though. I, yeah, well, I, that's yeah. that's what I mean. I, I right. haven't I haven't had a bear uh, tamper with one in mm. quite a while now. And, that, you know, that's su- that's su- susceptible to change. Right. No doubt. And that can happen at any be, time. I'll be gone. Just chewed to pieces and, and going this year. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that is just experience, right. you know. I mean, practicing the the cautions that we do that we've talked about today yeah. of not getting sent on it. Yeah, right. And you, you know, really don't have to worry about it after that point. Sometimes a bear will just go over to that tree and smell that you've been there, and he'll just get curious and yeah. get up there and take a bite out. You just see the chunk the, hanging off the tree that doesn't look like it belongs, or yeah. or some of them, some of the cheaper ones. The the uh, the proof cameras are this way when they flash at night when they do the infrared mm, yeah. there's yeah. actually a red light that they right. make so if the bear sees that sparks his curiosity i have i had originally had four of those i have two now <laughs> <laughs> one of them and one yeah. of the ones that i'm running i have a rubber band that mm-hmm. keeps it closed because a bear slapped it <laughs> and it broke the latch off and it broke the hinges off yeah and it hung by a wire mm. in the rain for a week and guess what still works great <laughs> yeah you know some of my favorite pictures and again they didn't eat it they just chewed on it a little bit but right. some of my favorite pictures are those up close like when it captures it as they're kind yeah. of biting at the camera or getting yeah. getting interested in it um it's it's awesome you just get a nose or you get just the head staring right staring right into it right sorry right. came away from the mic i was doing a little yeah, face fine. there but yeah my dad had a one where the bear put his canine right in the lens. Oh, nice. <laughs> $160 camera gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like what you're saying, though, about having it in line with your tree stand. Yes. Typically, the farther away one I do is yeah. is fairly in line with the tree yeah. stand. For that reason, yeah. it's it's a similar vantage point. Yeah. So that way you just, it's a familiar perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and most interior bears, I think we've talked about it. They're about five and a half to six foot tall unless you get a really big one. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, if you're a, fairly taller guy and you put that camera as high as you can that's a pretty safe spot for it i right. mean they can climb up and get it and i've seen them do that too but oh yeah they got to be curious in it anyways at that point right so yeah. i used to run them like three four feet off the ground because mm-hmm. you know just because it was the easiest place to put it yeah and that's when they really got chewed up because yeah. then they walk in and things on eye level with them now yeah. isn't you you've put them in a uh like a metal like an electrical box, right? Like kind of. I like, haven't like, done that. Okay, I haven't done that. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen people do that. Well, they'll, they'll take like a metal box, like what you'd see on the outside of someone's yeah. house. He, he was right. just talking about that. Yeah. Well, oh, I was so totally zoned well, out. Well, you can Sorry. buy. You can buy. <laughs> you can buy probably about the same price the electrical box would cost. 
But you can buy a real nice box for most of the cameras mm-hmm. that's steel that you can put it in. It's got a little screw in the bottom of it, so that little mount mounts in there. Yeah. And, you know, the front is obviously still open to an extent, so it can operate. Right, yeah. Uh, so You can also lock so those, too. You can usually yeah. lock them or throw yeah. a carabiner in them. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess that's a good reason you don't... Uh, you don't text and drive, and you don't text and podcast. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> is that what you were doing? Yeah, you just yeah. I mean, hey, I, 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 I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten up. You know, there's a long silence. You don't say me, hear me say, uh huh. I probably went and used the bathroom. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, one last question before, unless you guys have something else to put on the camera thing. I don't. No, think I so. think I got it. Yeah. So, speaking of squirrels chewing on your camera and stuff like that. Huh. Um, we did get one more question from a guy and he said in the last bear baiting episode we did, you had mentioned you don't like hearing squirrels and he wanted a little bit of clarification on that. <laughs> and it, I, I think in, in his question, he posed it, do they, do they alert the bears? Do they, you know, what, what's the, the reason for that? Honestly, I think it's just cause they, they, it's quite the opposite. They don't alert the bears. They alert me. Yeah. Yeah. Here, can I make <laughs> a comment on I, when it's two in the morning and you've been sitting there mm-hmm. all night and a bear or a, a squirrel starts hopping across the leaves from one tree to the next. It's just loud it's, enough. It's, it's just loud enough. <laughs> yeah. So one yeah. thing I was going to say is I think, I think Dalton just finds them annoying. Oh yeah. I think Definitely. every bear baiter finds them annoying. Right. So what, <laughs> yeah. I remember going to the bear bait with my dad for the first time and him saying, you know, one time I heard a squirrel rattle off and right after the squirrel rattled off, a bear came in and I killed it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm hunting. When I hear a squirrel <laughs> rattled off, and it's true, it could be an animal. Granted, squirrels are ridiculously perceptive of what's going on around mm-hmm. them. And, you know, it might be 100 yards off. And the bear may be oblivious to me being there, but I pick my nose and the squirrel knows I'm there, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you like that? Uh, oh, boy. And If uh, nothing else, you're honest. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey. Wow. Yeah, I'm alone in the woods. <laughs> I don't, yeah, well, you're not alone on this podcast. <laughs> oh, that's great. But uh, T-shirt incoming. Okay, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> the reason I don't like squirrels is because two funny stories. One almost got a 300 wind mag at about three, <laughs> at about three feet because I was sitting in my tree stand and it literally got on a branch in the tree I'm in right about three feet like just far enough away i didn't swipe at it but um it was just sitting there and barking at me like it knew i wasn't supposed to be there it knew i was something weird and it was just barking at me and going nuts so i had to finally get that one to leave the other reason i don't like squirrels is and we'll get into this in the next episode but i like using marshmallows at the bait squirrels Um, will go suck them all up i have seen i've never seen a squirrel suck up a marshmallow (laughs) I I had <laughs> that last, would be quite the same. last year I was sitting there, it's nice and quiet, and then all of a sudden it sounded like a chainsaw started going off. <laughs> what had happened, they'd been eating those marshmallows all night, got super high on sugar, and then there were two of them running circles around a tree, <laughs> chasing each other so fast they were blurry. I don't know if that's because of going in or it's, circles. It's squirrel mating season, James. No, I know, but these, I've, I've been in the woods, bro. I've seen <laughs> it without one. I've no, I, I, no, I've been in the woods when they're chasing each other like that. This was purely from the, from the marshmallows. It was not your regular squirrel well, chasing. Then. So it as was. the person that this question was directed <laughs> yes, to, yes. I would like to speak in defense of my position. My buddy Hunter and I were at a bear bait a number of years ago now. 
and uh, he's he's in the military and he's uh, he's overseas right now. He, he'll be back in Alaska here in the next couple of years. It sounds like, but he and I used to bear bait a lot together, and he and I shared the hatred mm. of squirrels, <laughs> and it was purely because of the annoyance. You're mm-hmm. sitting there from oftentimes five or six o'clock at night until two five o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Mm-hmm. It, two o'clock in the morning is pretty average for you. you know, if right. if you if you have bears that are coming in between two and five a.m then yeah, you're sitting there that, for a 12-hour I mean. yeah. sit, yeah, which is not always the case, but definitely sometimes. And anyway, so Hunter and I had spent many hours that season, many, many, many hours at bear baits all over the place and squirrels and squirrels and squirrels noises. Mm. And, you know, it, like you said, when it's the dry leaves on the forest floor, you swear it sounds like a bear stepping through the woods yeah. or anything stepping through the woods for that matter. And that year, we actually saw a lynx at one of my bear baits. Yeah. Um, we had seen everything come through the bear baits except bears <laughs> up to that point. And they were covered up in bears. But yeah. we just had bad luck going that year for right. whatever reason. And we entertained ourselves by naming all the squirrels. <laughs> I, I I kid you not. I, I I think we made up a screenplay for a squirrel movie. <laughs> it was that boring. I I I, still, I, I remember the name now. It was what we were going to call. <laughs> you know, maybe I shouldn't. Say what we were call it. <laughs> it might not be acceptable <laughs> across all platforms. Mama said it wasn't suitable. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's it's definitely not bad. I just I just don't want people to have the wrong idea of me. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, I, that's I, probably too late for that. Regardless, we had a whole screenplay written up. You know, mm. we had all the squirrels named, and at one bear bait, I know in one night we had eight different squirrels running around that's the bear not bait. Mm. It was just so annoying, yeah. and they were just going off. We were in a ground blind that night, and uh, I, I, you know, anyway. Now, yes, I've had squirrels sound off and alert me to the presence of bears before. Mm-hmm. I've got probably one of the most hilarious videos I've ever seen of a squirrel running off from a bear bait with an anise yo-yo hanging <laughs> out of his cheeks. <laughs> Falling off the yeah, I was <laughs> James was with me on that. I was just <laughs> crying laughing. Yeah. Literally had to take off my glasses and wipe the Does tears out of my eyes from laughing so hard. I, it, I'd have to go can. back and find it. Now, I've got another video that uh, while I was out guiding uh maybe last year maybe the year before i don't remember i was out guiding spring bear hunts and uh my dad and brothers were were hunting one of my baits and um this black bear came in and it was it was a five foot you know five foot five and a half foot black bear average you know it it, it was a mature adult bear yeah not a huge bear by any means but he wasn't the biggest dog on the park and he knew it there were other bears in there that were bigger than he was that hadn't showed up that night mm-hmm. this bear comes tiptoeing and my brother was going to shoot it gets his rifle up and this squirrel steps out from behind the barrel and starts barking at this bear and it scared it <laughs> and this black bear turned inside out and just completely burned rubber running away from this bear bait. it is the greatest footage i my dad sent me that video the following day and said look at what this big chicken did mm-hmm. <laughs> and that bear 
was just scared to death. It just well, surprised him. One of those little demons jumps out at you like, <laughs> that close. And yeah. so, now, long story short, that bear did come back in later on that night, and my brother shot it. And it was, mm. you know, it all turned out great in the end. But I just cracked up. And it wasn't like it was a small black bear. I mean, it was average. I, I think it was about five and a half foot or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, just scared the life out of that poor black bear. Uh, I, I have brought in wrist rockets before yeah. just to get them away. You know? yeah. And uh, oftentimes I'm not even shooting at the squirrels. If no, you just got to get in the vicinity. They're, if they're up in a tree, I'll just shoot the tree and it thwack and with a ball bearing and yeah. they'll take off. They'll come back 10 minutes later and you just do it again and again and again yeah. until it gets into happy hour when the bears are going to be coming in and you want to be quiet. Right. Mm-hmm. Other thing I'll do is I will have a pile of sticks. Sometimes if it gets too bad, I'll just bring them up in the stand with me. And uh, I'll throw sticks at them. Yeah, I, I do not care. But yeah, I, I I really like having some marshmallows out if I've got a tentative bear mm-hmm. to try to bring him in, and he'll vacuum those marshmallows up. There are a few things more entertaining than watching a bear vacuum up marshmallows. Oh yeah, just, just one after the other, and they just engulf those marshmallows. Yep. They they just suck them right up. Is there a way to get a bear to come in? Just leave yeah. a trail? You just to the yeah, bait pile? And, and out, outside of the bait perimeter. That right. way, if he's tentative, he'll he'll get on that and come right in. But yeah, yeah those squirrels make short work of those marshmallows. Yeah. But they don't vacuum up like bears do. <laughs> no, they don't. I said that and I thought it came out wrong no, that, and I wasn't going to say anything. That'd be a then, great video, though. That'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> it would be. Well, two things and then we'll wrap this up. One, I it freaked me out. I had bread at one of my baits. This yeah. is a couple of years ago, and I was there all night long. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was reading my book, and I look up, and I'm, you know, just I mean, the most shocking thing in my life. I, there was a piece of bread <laughs> just climbing the tree. It was too dark; I couldn't see the squirrel. All I see is this bright white piece of bread climbing the tree. Um, but the other thing, the reason I like running video at my baits is because you get a little bit of a, an idea of what the bear's behavior is, kind of yeah. the mentality and things yeah, like that. Right. You can see if it's a timid bear if it's the 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 low small bear on the totem pole then it's going to be sticking its head out of the barrel every time it eats or something like that and you can see if it's nervous or if it's you know the king of the right. king of the valley yeah but the thing with that is you also get a lot of the goofy stuff that goes on there the yeah bay. yeah and i have a video maybe i'll post it too but it was uh it was a, a younger bear chasing a squirrel around the barrel <laughs> And it was just, for some reason, the squirrel didn't feel the need to run up the tree, but it was just chasing, they were just chasing each other around the barrel. It was funny. I need to correct myself before we end this episode. Mm -hmm. I said engulfing the marshmallows. That's not the right grammatical term. I meant to say wolfing up the marshmallows, (laughs) which is also not grammatically correct, but it's what I was going for. Engulfing would be grammatically correct. No, I I mean, yeah. It could be used. I I, I don't think it's the right word. It would still be proper English. Wolfing them down would be a better term. Yeah, I agree, especially for how they do it. Wolfing them. Well, so we're going to wrap up. This has all been a great episode about how to set up your bear bait. I think next time we're going to dive a lot heavier into what bait to use, um, how to hunt your bait, like how long you should wait to go back in, how often to check, how long you should sit, things like that. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that one. We've got a bunch of other great episodes We've coming out. We've still got out. a lot to talk about about oh, what yeah. to use for bait, too. Right, and well, and the, that, that'll be included, the, too. Yeah, the yeah. different lures and yep. bait types. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go into all the different types and how to use them. Oh, yeah. Uh, how much to use, because a lot of people use way too much. So yeah, definitely yep. keep your eyes out for that. And thank you guys for hanging in. Yeah. And uh, Dalton? 
You know, while you're on your hunt, <laughs> I know I said this earlier. But, uh, I like to say that. I, lot, I get you? excited about this part of the show, man. Just wrapping up and talking about our great partners and sponsors that we've had on this show. And we're very grateful for all of our sponsors on this show that helped make this possible. And for you, the listeners that are helping to support the podcast through these mm. uh, partners that we have. So on that note, while you're on your hunt, you need to make sure that you're protecting your rifle, whatever you tend to shoot with mm-hmm. a Stealthy Hunter rifle cover from Ryan Lampers over at StealthyHunter.com and also shop their supplements and nutritional yep. uh, supplements from their shop as well from Stealthy Nutrition. They have things such as turmeric and bone broth protein powder and uh, immune boosters and uh, all kinds of different things that you can find over there at Stealthy Hunter Nutrition. And then also at the checkout, Use the promo code the Northern Hunter, mm-hmm. and you'll get a discount on that code, and that'll also help support our show. So if you like the show, you like what we're doing, please go there and shop from Stealthy Hunter and use the code the Northern Hunter at checkout. That'll help us out tremendously. Also, we have a discount code through Batem907. Mm. We have spoken heavily about their products in this episode, yep. and we will continue to do so all through bear yeah. baiting season. That blueberry sp- Cupcake Addiction, Nasty Boar, Blueberry mm-hmm. Spray, Anis Yo-Yo, Michigan, oh, yeah. Mash. Michigan Mash, um, Stripper Glitter, the the to all-time favorite. Yeah, to die yeah. for. Anis, uh, Banana Paste, mm-hmm. Bear Tar. Brunt's Brunt. Dirt Nap. Yeah. Well. Beaver Carcass Smells, all kinds of stuff. Okay. So when you go over there and shop from Beta 907, make sure also at checkout to use our discount code. That is TNHP. That's mm-hmm. our um, acronym for the show, the Northern Hunter Podcast. TNHP at discount will get you a discount over at Beta 907. Yep. That is a local Alaska brand. We love supporting them, and um, that'll help support the show as well. But I will point this out. If you're listening to the lower 48, she does ship everywhere. Yes, so. she does. And she ships a lot out of state. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of, of uh, bear baiting legal states in the lower 48. Yep. Alaska is not the only one. So be sure to use our discount code TNHP at checkout at Baitum907. Get you a discount on your bear baiting products, scents, and lures. Also, go over to Yukon River Knives uh, website. We have a link for all these sponsors through our website as well. Correct. You can find those on our website. Um, but Yukon River Knives makes uh, makes some awesome knives for taking apart bears, moose, sheep, caribou, deer, you name it. They've got it. Uh, they got knives like the Hunter, the ATK rifle sling combo mm-hmm. knife. That's a great yep. combination. I've yep. got that on my 4570 right now. Yep. Nice. They've got the Sendero bush knife, which is a great do-it-all mm-hmm. butchering knife for in the field. You can also flesh with it. If you want a dedicated fleshing knife, they've got the Green River Skinner. I love the look of that Phenomenal knife. blade style yeah. on that knife for fleshing. Really good. They've got all kinds of different options. They've got a processing knife for like deboning meat and processing meat back at home. They even have some kitchen knife options. Yep. And uh, man, they've got a lot of high quality got stuff. axes and stuff now. For yeah. a whole lot less than what you're going to find at most mm-hmm. of your other contemporary brands in the industry. But it's still the same, if not better quality. Yes. Absolutely. Great quality, great company, a percentage of all their profits goes to support a missionary up here in Alaska. So we also have a discount code through Yukon River Knives. At checkout, use the promo code the Northern Hunter. You get a discount on those knives, a significant discount, I might add. Mm-hmm. And that'll also, again, help us support the show. We need your support to keep this going. Absolutely. Podcast ain't free, and uh, <laughs> neither is our time. Yeah. <laughs> so we would appreciate it if you support the show through that avenue as well. Now, also not to forget about our favorite 
bullet manufacturer, Hammer Bullets. Mm -hmm. I have been working a lot lately at developing a hand load for my Weatherby Mark V 338 RPM uh, using a Hammer Bullet. I used a 205 grain power hammer for my hand load. Got great velocity out of it. Um, I'm getting just south of 3,000 feet a second with that load in Mm -hmm. an 18-inch barrel rifle, which is great. I'm getting well under 7 mm accuracy with that gun. And I was just out shooting steel with it last mm-hmm. night. And yeah. great shooting gun. We're partnered through Weatherby as well. Uh, if you need a rifle for your next hunt in Alaska or wherever you're going, be sure to check out Weatherby's great expansive lineup of cartridges and rifles to choose from, as well as hammer bullets. And go on there. They And the great thing about hammer bullets is they, they got something for everybody. And most of it's in stock. It is. It is. Yep. It's awesome. It's it's the so best. So be source. sure to check out Hammer Bullets and Weatherby Rifles. And with that, I think we pretty much wrapped it up, guys. Yep. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and learned a lot. If you have any questions whatsoever about anything we talked about in this show or any comments, maybe about mm-hmm. your own bear baiting experience, definitely hit us up. Uh, if you go to our website, thenorthernhunter.com, we got a nice, pretty contact us button there. Uh, if you go to search at the Northern Hunter on either Instagram or Facebook, we'll be there too. And you can send us a message. We, uh, we try to reply to everybody as much as we can. Right. But, uh, and if you ask a good enough question, we will definitely feature it on the show. Uh, if you want to send us an email directly, it's info at the Northern Hunter.com. And I believe until next time, get out there, get after it and good luck. See you next week. All right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.